Testing. Um, this is probably what I'll sound like. Scooby. Ten. Oh, sorry. Go on, Scooby. Scooby Dooby Doo. I already don't want to do this podcast. <laughs> Fucking Scooby Doo. Do you guys like Scooby Doo? No. I have this memory of like the fucking legit Scooby-Doo where there was actual monsters in it and then at some point they fucking took the weaklings way out and started making all the monsters people but now that I really think about it I think that like legit Scooby-Doo is real I think that was my imagination yeah I think it was because I was like I think they were always people yeah wasn't that isn't that like the whole thing um I don't know I think my memory of Scooby-Doo even as a kid I wanted to like it more than I actually liked it ever we named our dog after, like, Scrappy-Doo. His name is Scrappy. And a nun, <laughs> a nun was like, I was looking for Scrappy once out the back. And a nun was like, oh, what's his name? And I was like, Scrappy. And she's like, what an awful name to name your dog. Would you, why, why not just call him Garbage? And I was like, oh, it's after a cartoon. I think it's a real coming of age moment. Wait, who are the two girls in Scooby-Doo? Daphne and Velma. When you start to realise that Daphne is actually probably hotter than Velma, that's when you're like, that's when you start getting some sense on you. But Daphne's Sarah Michelle Gellar and yeah. Wait, Velma is Lindsay. Uh, don't know the films. The one with the orange sweater. That's Velma. Yeah, that's Velma. She's hotter. I don't know. I'm into Daphne. Like I could see it in a kind of like, like it's easy, but <laughs> I like easy. <laughs> They're both babes. Yeah, yeah, they are both babes. I like the obvious choice. She's buffy, but she's not. Well, in the movie, she's good at fighting because she has to learn how to fight. But the start, she's shit. I can't believe you watched that movie. I've watched it recently. <laughs> we haven't been recording any of this, have we? Oh, we have, yeah. Have we? Yeah. Are we live? Yeah, yeah we are. Do you want to start the podcast with this shit? <laughs> sure. Welcome to the Let's Fight a Boss cast. I am sitting here with two of the most terrifying people in the Irish bi-weekly video game podcasting scene. To my left, we have covered in bandages, thousands of years old and ruler of an ancient kingdom, the Egyptian, the mummy, Brian. Hey everyone, it's Cultural Appropriation Week. Do you want to do the other one? To my right, I have hailing from the forgotten lands of Transylvania. Go on. The bloodsucker. The vampire. It's Neve Dracula. No second name. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Dracula is a surname. Isn't it? Neve Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was younger uh, at Halloween, a bunch of kids were dressed up as vampires and I was like, oh, that's a really, really good vampire. And the girl was like, no, I'm, I'm, I, I'm a Dracula. And I was like, no, you're a vampire. She's like, no, I'm a Dracula. What a total moron. <laughs> I, I, I was like, Dracula is the name of a vampire. And she's like, I don't know what a vampire is, but I'm a Dracula. <laughs> oh, I got so fucking mad. Yeah. Um, I know we had some reservations about it, but I think, uh, Late January is definitely the right time to have our Halloween episode this year. So I think we're doing the right thing. Neve, what's your favourite spooky Halloween outfit you wore as a child? Um, bin bag. <laughs> bin bag 2. 
bin bag with werewolf mask. Oh, wow. Yeah. You really changed it up there towards the end. <laughs> Trash werewolf. It was good. Creeping yeah. in a dumpster. Um, so, I guess there's something we should probably cover first. And this is a little bit weird. And to be honest with you, I am not overly sure about how to approach this. But um, there was a video uploaded to our YouTube channel. And some of you might have seen this. It went up uh, Wednesday. It was like around 3 a.m. Like our time. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't know where it came from. I don't know who uploaded it. I'm guessing it's some kind of prank or something like that. Um, It's really creepy. It's really like... It's unsettling, to be honest with you. And we decided to leave it up because we do like creepy things and we're guessing this is like some sort of good-natured prank, I guess, I'm hoping. Yeah, like, we've all sworn up and down that it was neither, like, neither of us. If it was me, I would have come clean by now because I would have been too proud to have not done this. Yeah. Like, I don't even know how to describe the footage. Um, It's like... It's inside someone's home. I don't even... I think people should probably just go check it out, but it, it, like, it looks... It's probably one of the fucking scariest, creepiest things I think I've ever seen. And what I'd be genuinely interested to hear from people, does anyone... Does anyone know if there's, like, another copy of this clip out there? Because I have seen a lot of creepy bullshit in my time on the internet, and I've never seen this. And so, if anyone does know, like... Like what creepy pasta thread it came from, or anything like that, that would be highly, highly appreciated. Please help us. Yeah, and if this is you, then we would love to hear from you because you fucking got us, and please don't hack our password anymore. <laughs> oh dear. So, yeah, that sure was a thing. I can't believe it only took 40 episodes for our podcast to become insanely fucking haunted. This is episode 42. Jesus. Yeah. The number of the devil, or kind of... The number of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's all I remember from. Okay, follow me here. 42, okay? Yeah, okay. Four and two, right? Four plus two? Six. Six. What's three sixes? Of course, because the number three was already included in that... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It makes total sense. The number of the, the, yeah. The number of the beast. The beast. And that's, and we're from Ireland. So, you know. Yeah. It makes complete. And I watched the Royal Rumble. (laughs) Who won? Okay. Neve, do you know Randy Orton? No. Okay. So. He's the guy that's in the Expendables, isn't he? Yes. He's old. Okay. So. Randy Orton winning the Royal Rumble is like, imagine listening to Giant Bomb's 2017 Game of the Year podcast, and the winner is Assassin's Creed 2. Okay. It's like someone who was like pretty good a couple of years ago, and they're one of these wrestlers who, I I never got Randy Orton. I don't, he's got a really cool finisher, really, really cool finisher. But he's never been, like, the best on the mic. He's a really good wrestler, but he's not exactly exciting to look at. 
and he's very handsome. I don't mean that. Don't get me wrong. Do you have a like wrestler name or is it just random? The Viper. Okay. <laughs> the Apex Predator. And he won the Rumble. And I was like, why? Like, that's all I see anyone saying. Like, what? This guy is going to be in the main event at WrestleMania? And, like, he's main evented them before. He used to be big. He's just kind of... He's one of these wrestlers who seems weirdly embedded in the WWE. And I don't know why. Blackmail. It has to be blackmail. Like, because I imagine if you stick around the WWE long enough, you get some shit on Vince McMahon. He's probably walked into a locker room, seen Vince McMahon, like, trying to cover up the sign of the beast with makeup. (laughs) Uh, Except it doesn't say 666, it says uh, Triple H for some reason. Whoa! And Randy saw this, turned around and went, "Mm, Shouldn't have seen that, buddy. Whatever, I think Shawn Michaels had it as well. That company was weirdly embedded in Shawn Michaels. Although, you know, Shawn Michaels is pretty good, even though he was a bit of an asshole in real life. Was he an asshole to you personally or something? Well, he was an asshole to Bret Hitman Hart, so practically, yeah. Yeah, that is your collective. Mm-hmm. Who did Randy beat to be the winner? Like, who was it down to? Okay, so this is Undertaker's last year, okay? And Undertaker comes out at number 29. And I wanted Undertaker to win because I want Undertaker's last WrestleMania to be like, I want him to main event last WrestleMania. I want to win the, win the, win the belt, which is unusual because usually when people retire, they lose. You go out on your back is what they say. Mm. But Undertaker, he's been there long enough. He's a really good enough guy. Um, and so Undertaker comes out at 29 and it's like, well, that's it. Undertaker's going to fucking take this. This is going to happen. And then Roman Bloody Reigns comes out at 30. And Roman Reigns is the guy that WWE keep pushing who no one wants. And Roman Reigns eliminates The Undertaker. And it was such an incredible fuck you to the fans. It was like, this is what you get, you little shits. So then it comes down to Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, and Roman Reigns. Love Bray Wyatt. One thing I like about Resident Evil 7, which we will get into, is it's like a Bray Wyatt simulator. That's his gimmick. The bad guys in Resident Evil 7, that's what Bray Wyatt is. So they're like the weird hick cult family? He's like, we're out in the bayou. And let me tell you, Sister Abigail is gonna come and get you. Hulk Hogan. They never... Him and Hulk Hogan never feuded. That's a a side project I have going on. Don't don't worry about it. And, um... So it's Randy and... Bray and they're actually in a faction Randy Orton joined Ray's weird swamp family thing which is probably the most interesting thing he's done in a while and next thing Roman Reigns eliminates Bray and you're like okay here we go Roman Reigns is gonna win again but then Randy eliminates him and you're like oh and that was actually a pleasant moment because it's like they didn't go at Reigns but then you're like oh but they went with Randy it's just like eh. Do you think for WrestleMania they're going to do like a bait and switch with Randy? They've done that before. And he'll come out and he'll be under the spell of The Undertaker or something. Yeah, there's there's actually quite a lot of magic in wrestling at the moment. (laughs) I don't mean that as in like the magic's back, guys. I mean that like there is plot relevance magic in wrestling story, in the wrestling storylines right now. Good. I think the world needs a bit of magic. One time in an interview when Randy Orton was feuding with The Undertaker, his eyes turned glowing red and his voice turned into the Undertaker's voice and he looked into the camera and was like, you're dead, Randy. And then he snapped out of it and he was like, what was that? 
That's pretty cool that he would agree to, you know, acting. Well, I'm oh, sorry, not acting. Wait, what? Never mind. Did you say acting? I'm not I'm not talking about like a film, I'm talking about wrestling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. But um yeah, like I really love the Royal Rumble, but it was a bit of a letdown. There's some good matches, John Cena, AJ Styles, really fantastic match. But um yeah, I'm I'm curious to see where this goes and if they can make good. What wrestling did you guys watch? The OA. Go on. It's the Netflix original series, The OA. Mm-hmm. Stands for Original Angel. Does it? Does it? You guys have some fucking bullshit coming your way. Sweet. Did you, did you just spoil The OA for That's me? That's not a spoiler. Okay. Well, I'm on episode seven, so don't go any further with it. Yeah, how can we know everything about The OA? It's like you watched yeah, it. have you seen it? I've seen bits of it and I've been told the rest. Okay. So, like, yeah, that's why I started watching it is I've been talking to people and either they love it or they hate it. Like, there is no in-between with the series. Which makes you super curious about yeah. the show right away because you're like, wait, wait, do, do, I, do I love it? Do I hate it? And when I watched the first episode, so the, the concept is a girl goes missing for seven years. She goes missing blind and she turns up again and she can see. And then her story unfolds from there. The first episode was a slog. Like, that was a really, really long pilot. And then the last 10 minutes are insane. I was like, I can't believe this is the same series. Yeah, I love the last 10 minutes. Yeah, it was so good. It was so... Like, the last 10 minutes, I was like, okay, I'm in. Perfect. Let's go with this. Um, It's about... It's kind of like the plot of Flatliners. Yeah, yeah, it is. Where it's people... There is a space between life and death where people can exist. And a scientist is trying to find that yeah I don't want to give too much away of the plot yeah it's really but then it's not even like from from what I've watched it's kind of that but then it's also about like a small town community and their own bullshit yeah and them kind of revolving around uh the 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 mysterious girl who who, who's come back who now goes by the name OA yeah so she comes back to her small town and it is a really crappy small town so people are kind of drawn to her and they're in an abandoned building listener, listening to her tell her story of the seven years she was missing. And through that, her telling the story, it's told in flashbacks and that's how the plot is revealed to us, the Watcher. I'm like really into the concept of this, like the kind of multiverses, what's, what lies beyond, you know, kind of we've talked about um, lucid dreaming before on this podcast and kind of... Uh, what is it called, you know, John, when you have your nightmare thing? Sleep paralysis. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing where your brain is telling you this other reality exists that isn't even, that isn't there in your day-to-day. And this kind of series kind of explores that in a really interesting way. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I like that a lot about it. If I was going to give a negative to it, I don't think any of the characters particularly interest me. I'm just using them as a way to watch the story unfold you know for sure like some some people were saying oh it's kind of like twin peaks but i was like it's, twin peaks is full of characters yeah yeah and that's the big difference like i'm sure sure they're both small town mysteries but one has like avatars mm-hmm. that you project yourself onto and the other one is like agent dale cooper and uh andy one thing i kind of realized about twin peaks is um, I'm watching the second season. Apparently, it's really long, so I still have a fair bit to go. I don't 
give a shit about the mysteries of Twin Peaks. I'm just there for the weird ride that is those characters and all the strange little acting bits and like just the the weird like Leland singing sessions and all that kind of stuff. That's what I love about Twin Peaks. It's the exact opposite of that. And mm. usually I'm more into stuff like Twins Pe- Twin Peaks where you explore something through a really interesting character mm. and you're like, okay, I'm giving myself over to this character that would never be anything like me and it's just their very own wealth fleshed out thing. With the OA, it's like they're all very tropey. I don't feel they're particularly well developed. Like everyone has something crappy in their life and they're dealing with it. But it's you're using them as the vehicle to get this mystery solved. Do you think there's like an advantage to that? Like, do you think there's an advantage to having like simple tropey characters? Or do you think that's like just a flat out failing? No, I think there's an advantage with this. I think like what they're dealing with is a little high concept for like, like it's a Netflix original series and we're going into multiverses and kind of dying and what that means. And I think using kind of a simpler character template where you're not being bogged down with the minutia of some character's life is kind of better to get through a concept. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I think pretty it's, much. Yeah, I, it's like two different types of writing depending what the, the goal is. And I think the goal of the OA is to get the concept across. And I can see why that's why people either love it or hate it. Because some people are all in for characters and some other people are all into concept. Because the because the, the the show does have flaws and it is and that it's got frustrating moments. But I think with 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 a with a, with a bigger focus on uh, characters, it would be more frustrating. Mm. You think that would be like kind of that would be splitting its lot too much. I think so. Yeah, yeah, it would slow it down. Even then, sometimes it goes back into the current day where she's like explaining what's happening and you're kind of like no 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 go back go back and tell me you know ex- mm. like further explore this like i don't care about someone's childhood like someone's school adventure yeah. like i know there is going to be a means to the end for that but i'm kind of it's what i'm less interested in brian how are you enjoying the show because you're watching it too right yeah uh i'm only like two or three episodes i'm very early in it but i know what to expect because i'm a fan of the uh, writers, director, actors work, the previous work. Because uh, it's always the same director. It's always the same actor, Britt Marling. But they write together. So they've made two feature films. They made The Sound of My Voice. And they made... Which the, is... I, I like that film. I, I really, really love that film. Yeah. And they made uh, The East, which is not a sci-fi film. But they mainly do sci-fi. Mm. And they do sci-fi that isn't very... Like it's it it it's super high concept mystery sci fi, but it but it's not going to answer your questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I I I, I uh, from what I've read online, the season finale is very disappointing. Yeah, I saw that as well, which makes me like I'm really liking it, and I've two episodes left, and that makes me a bit scared to go forward. It'll it'll probably get a season two. Do you think like? Does, it, does something with that type of concept need a season two? Flatliners is getting in a movie like, this year. Like, It's what the people want. Yeah. Um, so I've seen a little bit of this and I can't really like, give it a fair assessment because it was like, I saw a little bit and then I like the person I was watching with, I turned around and said, like, I hate this, what happens? And so... <laughs> um, Sometimes I'm like that too, don't worry. They told me and like... This thing could not be further than the kind of thing I like. Like, I, this is the kind of thing where, like, I watch this and I'm, like, actively repulsed by it. 
I'm like, I hate everything about this. Why? Like, what part? Like, just... How much dance has there been in it? None. Well, no, no, there has been dance in it. Oh, I can't wait for the dancing. I love dancing. Before it's the finale. But, like... What? Do you just hate art, John? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I hate art. (laughs) Like, what about, like, dance? But, like, say the whole thing with, like... I thought, like, your point about how the concept is should like that it's kind of there to be explored by itself and character stuff it would kind of get in the way with that Mm. that totally makes sense to me in that like i see how the characters you could kind of like let some of the character stuff slide but for me if there isn't a character i can like dig into in anything it's dead to me like just completely there's nothing i can get from it no matter how good it looks no matter what kind of concept characters to me always always come first and that's not a decision Mm. it's just it's just how I work. You know? I think I'm mostly that way. I love really exploring a character. Like mm. that is 99% of the time, that's what I would choose to watch. Yeah. There's a few things that get past this. And when it comes to alternate like realities, like Melancholia is kind of a similar film. Yeah. Where there's character stuff happening, but they're nearly just... They're just avatars. props yeah. to the actual... yeah To the kind of mystery of what's happening. And I like it depends on like... Maybe this is getting a bit too personal, but like a little recently I fainted. Like I just like passed out. And in I was only out for like two seconds, but in those two seconds I had a full dream. Like a full Seriously? day went by. What? I was in a park, it was sunny, I was talking with people, and like then I woke up and it was my girlfriend's face and my friend looking at me being like, Neve, you just passed out, are you okay? And I was like, What wait wait? <laughs> Where am I? I was in this like other place and it was this moment where your brain, your brain is so powerful. Like what's a dream? What is that? Like, Yeah, I always find the way your brain handles time when you're asleep, yeah. like the most fascinating fucking thing. Yeah, for sure. So it's this kind of like idea of like, like dying or passing out or like, it's like, where is the mind gone? Like when someone's in a coma, like, are they there? Are they not? And I think that's so fascinating that... Even if it's done in the most pulpy, Netflixy way, I kind of like that it's being explored and I can get yeah. past the character stuff. Cerebral films. Yeah. Yeah, like, I appreciate that stuff to a point, but I think there was just other stuff that will come later for you. Okay. Where I was just like, fuck everything about this stupid fucking thing and you could see it like like yeah. I'm, I'm talking particularly maybe last 10 minutes of the last episode and you might be like wow that's you know they really they tried something there but i'm just like they never had any idea what they were doing with this show this is complete bullshit what a waste of time i'm i, I i'm 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 very cynical so I, yeah. I might just like do i might just be like this fucking... is a conversation i want us to revisit after we've both finished yeah. it Neve, uh, i give you 50 50 you'll enjoy it Brian, 90%, you'll hate it. 10%, you might think this is fucking amazing. Because you're kind of weird with this stuff. Because you're... Do, do, do you think I'll just be like, it's all right. And um, I'll, I'll like it for the flaws it has. I think overall, yeah, that's how you'll feel about the series. I think the ending, you're going to swing one way or the other. Because you know, you know how I'm like super fucking dismissive. But then I'm also are, just like... Well, you're like, th- this is what I mean. You're 90% dismissive <laughs> and then you're 10% so fucking like soft and gooey about shit. You know, like you, like there is stuff in movies that I'd be like, Pfft. and you'd be like, that was really sad, or really effective. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but then most of the time, I'm like, oh, I like that bit in that film, and you're like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> weenie. <laughs> so, the listeners of this podcast who are also 
should I watch this show? Because you might fucking hate it, or you might think it's the best shit ever. Who knows? Are you a John, are you a Brian, or are you, God forbid, a Neve? <laughs> please, please don't be Neve. <laughs> Let us know, though. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd be pretty yeah. curious to hear people's opinions about this thing. I think the next podcast will probably have watched it all, yeah. and we should probably just do, like, a spoiler 10-minute chat about it. And maybe if we get an email, read that out. Can't yeah, we've gone 42 episodes without doing an actual, like, spoiler cast on anything ever. Have we... We did a JoJo special that yeah. kind of, like... It's lost the time. We should do another one of them. Yeah, I'd like love part to. Part 4 is over, and... Yeah. I think we should do one about the Part 4 gang. Yeah, I think we should. And we, we could, like, do some sound design so it sounds like the suburbs. That'd be cool. I would like to get into spoilers for Resident Evil 7 at some stage. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, uh, before we get to that, I want to talk about a film called I Am Not a Serial Killer. Okay. okay. Do you guys know about this film? No. Brian... Tell us about I Am Not a Serial Killer. Okay. I Am Not a Serial Killer is an American independent film, but it's directed by an Irish guy. I think his name is Billy O'Brien. That's a fucking bullshit name. Seriously? Yeah. And it stars Max Records and Christopher Lloyd, which is fucking cool. So Max Records was Max in Where the Wild Things Are. Oh. And Christopher Lloyd is Doc Brown. What do you guys think of Where the Wild Things Are at the movie? I haven't watched it since it came out, but I thought it was pretty good. I loved it. Oh, God. I did not like it the first time I watched it, and then I rewatched it, and then I really liked it. Really? Yeah. I have no ties to the books or anything. Me neither. So I was like, I have no idea what the hell is happening I just, here. I really liked James Gandolfini as the wild thing. He was really, really good. Yeah. Um, I loved that book as a kid. So when I saw it, I was like, that is a really, really good interpretation. But that was it. But we're not here to talk about that. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm not a serial killer. The less I say about this film, the better, though. Um, I'll tweet out a trailer for it on the podcast Twitter. Um, it, do, do not like read into this film, but watch the trailer. And if it's your kind of thing, watch it because there's some good stuff. Okay. Since we've been this like very, is it a John thing? Is it a Neve thing? Is it a Brian thing? It's, it's all of us. (laughs) Seriously? Okay. Okay. I'll watch it. It's like, it's middle America, suburban. It's a, okay. It's about a sociopathic teenage boy who's most likely going to end up being a serial killer and he has like zero connection with people. But sign me the fuck up. Yeah, but <laughs> he starts noticing that there's a serial killer in the town and he's, he's curious to try and figure out what's going on. And you're not sure. Does he want to like learn from the killer or does he actually want to be like a hero and save the day? That sounds great. Yeah, that sounds yeah. fun. And that's all I can say. Um, it's based on a, on a series of novels that seem to go off in a really interesting direction. And this film certainly does that. Is It sounds a bit like... Um, I get like slightly Dexter vibes from it. Um, like bits of Dexter, but it's just like... It's real grungy, middle America, high school nerd. Were you watching this the night? Yeah. Or, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, like, like this kid is bullied in high school is more like listens to rock music probably you know do something he shouldn't yeah it it, it kind of sets up that vibe yeah yeah cool that sounds deadly but I, I won't say anymore yeah Um. so if you've been following my YouTube channel at all you know I recently launched a new endeavor and that is a stressful thing to launch And so the night that I launched it, I decided to settle down and find a nice relaxing film. 
So I decided to watch the movie Whiplash. Oh, I love that film. That is a fucking great movie, but goddamn, if you were trying to relax, that is not the movie to do it to. No. <laughs> Have you seen this film? No, but one time when I was really sad, I decided to watch the film Happiness because oh no, no yeah, no, yeah. happiness yeah I was like in a state of shock for a good while afterwards so I kind of feel your pain I love happiness <laughs> um, it's such a good acting movie it's a really good acting movie oh my god yeah but um, Whiplash is about a young drummer and he's going to drummer college like a big fancy musical college music jazz college yeah and oh wait I know what this is yeah. this is the like um Black Swan of drumming, kind of yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 there's a lot of parallels. It's got ruthless ambition and kind of like fucking up your body for a goal. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, so he gets involved with this teacher, and the teacher is like crazy intense. And oh man, Brian, do you remember the first chair throw? Yep. <laughs> do you know the uh, director of that made a short film? That that's basically Whiplash, but like seven minutes long, really? and it stars J.K. Simmons as well as the teacher, but it has a different cast. But that was like the prototype for the feature. Interesting. Um, I thought this film was awesome. Like this was really up my alley. I love anything that explores like talent and hard work and the crossover between them. Like I could just watch that shit all day. But it was like the performance of the teacher was so good, and he was such a like. There was no even trace of being a redeemable person, but they still set him up as, like, a really solid character. Like, you'd be like... Like, to the point where you're like, this guy exists somewhere. I know he exists somewhere. Maybe it's not in drumming, but it's in something. Like, this guy with this mentality is out there, you know? And really couldn't say enough good things about it. The only negative thing I would say is... They really go for something with that ending. Yeah. The last ten minutes. And... Like, for the last, like, 15 minutes, you're like, this is fucking awesome. I can't believe what I'm seeing. And then for the last 10 minutes, it's like, oh, no. Oh, and it kind of, I felt, like, pittered out a little bit. It doesn't solve anything in the ending. It just, yeah. And it's kind of like, I felt like the film had set up all these, like, really interesting things about, you know, how are you willing to do anything to get what you want, all this kind of stuff. And then rather than, like, make a point about it or, like, put a put a real solid end on it like with a message it kind of just went meh and it's sort of disappointing because the rest of the film is so intense and focused but the last couple of minutes are really just like I don't know jazz is pretty cool they probably didn't know how to end it and you could like how do you end that film um, that 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 director it was his first uh, feature film but this year he made another film and it's doing pretty well in the Oscar run up what's it called La La Land really wow okay. same fucking same direct person? Okay. yeah um, they're, they're, they're both kind of filmed very snappy yeah. um, have you guys seen La La Land no, no. it's fine um, it's kind of like the artist where it's celebrating an era of Hollywood that doesn't exist anymore and in a few years time like I'm sure it'll win all the Oscars but in a few years time it'll just be a pub quiz question like people aren't gonna like it's, it's, that's such a damning review yeah. I get you like, it, like what was the film you mentioned to me the, the artist yeah like yep. yeah like how often do we think about the artist like that killed it at the Oscars didn't it yeah whose favourite movie is that probably some like animation nerd 
that we know and we don't really, you know. I fucking hate animators. <laughs> yeah, they're the worst. Yeah. They are. We all we all yeah. studied and worked as them. We can we can say it. Yeah, that's true. Um, but before we move on, Brian, I have a question for you, and it is, how's Handshakers going? Uh, how many episodes? Well, the fourth episode is out this week, but I'm probably going to wait a few days to watch it. Um, I'm loving it. Yeah. I watched some of it. Neve, Go on. how much fan art of Handshakers are you going to do? I don't understand this at all. What do you mean? It's like, all of it is a gradient. Like, there's gradients on top of gradients, so nothing has a solid line. I know, yeah, finally someone did it. <laughs> it's... It must, it must have taken so long to render that show. Yeah, oh my yeah, god. Oh my god. Yeah. It's like, um, there's the 3D chains, the 3D everything, it's stuttering. Was there no art direction? Was the art director, like, just on E? I, 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 uh, to me it feels like it has a very, very talented lower level staff. Mm-hmm. But anybody at the top argued with each other about decision making, and that's why the show doesn't agree with itself. Oh, yes. Because, like, there is talent in that show, mm-hmm. like it's, and even the the studio who did that, like I, Kate, like Project K, it's not a great show. It looks very solid, very very solid. If you were to take out every individual asset, you would be like, that's a nice asset. Like yeah. that is a nice three D animation. That is a nice background. That is a nice character drawing. Some of the drawings are shit. Competent character. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. There's some. Like, it's readable. Yeah. There's not, but then you put it all together, and it's just like someone who doesn't know how to cook and they're like I'm just gonna fuck everything into this and mm-hmm. hope it works and I guess you can eat it in the end if you want is it good? nope <laughs> no it's like it's pineapple flavoured like beef stew oh my god wow I mean you could do that like pine- I like pineapple oh god, yeah. yeah but but then you'd eat it and you'd be like this this isn't what I thought it would be yeah, yeah. maybe you know, I'm experimental with my pineapple. <laughs> but you know, when you're younger and you're 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 allowed like make an ice cream sundae of your own, and you just start oh, yeah. putting like marshmallows on top, and then you're gonna put a put a like chocolate sauce. But then you're like, maybe I could like put a grape on it as well. You know, just make it a bit healthy. And then you eat it all, and you're like, oh, this is crap. This is handshakers. <laughs> you know, one thing I'm kind of discovering as I get older, there is barely anything that bacon does not go with. Fucking insane. Uh, so, Five Guys Burgers and Fries, should we? Okay. They do uh, a, a milkshake, oh. but you can add crispy bacon to your milkshake. What is people and bacon? Jesus Christ. It's so good. No, I, like, I hate the I hate the meme of like, bacon. <laughs> but seriously, chop up some fucking bacon and put that in your milkshake, and it is awesome. Oh. It's Brian, like, <laughs> Yeah, it was really, really good. It was, yep. a, it, it was, it was a good time. It made me happy. I'd do it again. Yeah. Um, so with that, we're going to move into our strategy talk. This is the video game portion of our podcast where we take you through what we've been playing recently. Um, so. We have a big one here, and usually I think we got to put the big ones at the start or at the end. And I'm going to suggest we put this one at the end, because I think this could be quite the discussion. Um, Brian, you have been playing a game that I have been playing that I'm really curious to what you think of. Tell us about Yomawari Night Alone. 
Yomawari Night Alone. This is on Steam and PlayStation Vita. And I'm playing it on the Vita because uh, I, I like... Me, me and Brian love our Vitas. Yeah, I, I really like that little guy. Is it a full price game? No, nah, it's like a tenner. Okay. Um, this is like a Japanese indie game, isometric, top-down survival horror, horror where you play as a cute little girl looking for her dog uh, in the suburbs of Japan. And there are shadow monsters that you can only see with your torch. And if they touch you once, you die. Is it hard? It's pretty hard. It's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've had to use a spoiler-free walkthrough for some bits, which I don't really mind. Um, I'm not really, really playing it to like achieve something. I'm just mm. playing it for the experience. Um, I like if I always use a walkthrough at the point where I feel like communication between me and the game designer has broken down and I, I'm just at a loss at what to do and because that's never fun. Actually, yeah. mm-hmm. um, for me, when I, when I, whenever I played the Metroid Prime games, I used to play them with a like uh, book walkthrough mm. and I, I loved it. It was way more fun because it, 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 to me, it was like building um, something in Lego and following the instructions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the instructions are so good and so like insightful yeah. uh, that it didn't feel like it was taking anything away from me. Yeah, I like walkthroughs as well, especially mm-hmm. like looking for objects and stuff. Really yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, and like I get that some people are like, you know, it, it ruins the experience. And I think there are cases you could point to. Like I think, I think like say with a Dark Souls boss, where like every time you try it, you're maybe figuring them out a little better. Mm-hmm. I think you are losing out a little when you if if you kind of like look up a walkthrough for like what their weak point is but if it's like a progress like if you've stopped progressing then it's not fun anymore i think you know we all have lives and jobs so i don't really want to spend an hour like kind of wasting my time getting frustrated yeah sorry Brian. because because for me this game is very frustrating at points yeah i think i'm about halfway true-ish how are you enjoying it i really like it yeah um, I think it looks it looks amazing. Yeah, it does. Like it's it's just got really 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 nice art direction and design. It's got a cute cute design for the main girl. Yeah, and I love the actual map of the the the, the uh, town. Mm. And I think some of the monster designs are really really cool. Yeah, um, that first scare, you yeah. know, when you throw the rock. Yeah. Fucking wow! <laughs> it really really. Uh, it it feels like whoever made this like played Witch's House definitely because. It's cut from the same cloth of that kind of Japanese indie dev where they're doing like a small scale top down or uh, uh, like horror survival game. Yeah. I'd also say like the game is actually pretty legitimately scary. Like I, like if I play it at night, I get freaked out. Yeah, same. It's got really, really good sound design. Yeah. And like the monsters are a really interesting design where they're some of them are like nearly a tiny bit. I don't want to say cute, but like they're. They fit in well with the cute aesthetic of that game. They're kind of like stumpy and chunky. Yeah, but they're also sort of horrifying as well. Like they're they're not pleasant to look at. And I think the way the game's designed is you never really get a proper look at them either. You know. Yeah, they're always in the corner. Yeah. Um, I really really don't like when you die in the game because what'll happen is the enemy will touch you and it'll just make like a blood splatter sound and blood will just splatter on the screen like within like a frame. And that's a real indie horror staple. Because I I I think it happens in Witch's House as well, doesn't it? it? And and, and it's got like a sound effect that was obviously done by the developer where it just goes... (laughs) 
<laughs> because you know the, the games are they're, they're they're very small games. Music uh, or the not music the controls are a little awkward as well. Yeah, I are. have a little trouble getting her to go where I want. But I think all that kind of falls away in the face of like just it's got a great atmosphere. Yeah. Does it have a great story? Like, um, or is that not the reason you're playing this? It's more for the atmosphere. The story is pretty basic. It's just okay. I have to find my dog and my sister. Um, I'm a, and it's alone at night in a suburban town, and everything's gotten really weird. Fair enough. Yeah. It doesn't have a great story. Fantastic atmosphere. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I've kind of made up my own little story about it, mm. which is nice. Mm. Um, I want to play more of that game, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that finishes because I have no idea. Yeah, same. But uh, people should check it out. I don't think it's a very well known game, and it's it's not that expensive. I don't. Think. No. Plus, plus, if it's on Steam, like most people have Steam. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally worth checking out. Or, or just watch a let's play. Like it looks cool. <laughs> So guys, I played some more Final Fantasy fifteen. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's a good game. Thank you. Like, so I'm just at the point where I went on a date with a girl. And Yours? she was fucking lame. And I feel like the dramatic rate at which that game has like come undone at the seams is just crazy. There's so much in it where I'm like, this feels so disconnected and badly done and like, the character movements and the animation and everything, like the the fight scenes look really good but I'm also like, why are the characters able to fight like this? You know, where, where did they learn this? Like, Cloud was like a mercenary. Squall was a fucking student of some crazy academy. Zidane was a thief. You know, you can go and like, even in Final Fantasy X, when, like, Titus, he can't... He's, like, doesn't have any history in combat. When someone throws him a store, sword at first, he's, like, not able to pick it up because he's not used to it. It all had context, and that's important to me. Like, I need to know that about these characters if I'm going to spend all this time with them. I'm really at a loss at why Noctis is able to do the things he's able to do. And, like, maybe, you know, he got super training because he's the prince of a country. That's probably it, but I don't know because the game hasn't told me. The kind of, like, there's a lot of explanation, I'm doing air quotes right now, um, is done through, like, in-game dialogue snippets. So, like, Prompto will be like, I wish I was a prince so I could port around. So it's like, royal bloodline is why Noctis can use his portation magic. But it's never woven in as part of the narrative. Yeah. Like, it's just a symptom of a game that's been made, remade, re- like, yeah. different story. Like, it's just chopped up so much. Yeah. And, um... My loot drop this week is going to be from um, really a guy that we really like uh, called Rocco. And Rocco is one of the Mega64 guys. And he's really funny, really entertaining, love the Mega64 cast. But he did just a video and it's a camera pointed at him talking about his disillusionment with Final Fantasy XV. And I haven't seen anyone put it so succinctly or so well, like scripted or unscripted. He do- He just breaks it down as like, is this all there is? And he feels like there's this weird irony surrounding 15 at the moment where people are like, oh, you know, it's kind of janky, but I'm traveling around with my buddies and, you know, mm-hmm. and he's like, Final Fantasy is kind of more than that. It's always been more than that. And... But even if they did that well, like, it doesn't even feel like they're your friends. I think there's moments that the game kind of hits it, but they're few and far between. And mm-hmm. I think they're kind of... They're nearly kind of hit and miss a lot of the time. Like, my favorite moments so far is I like driving past a nice looking vista you know but in terms of like the character stuff between them 
I feel like all the good character moments in Final Fantasy XV are happening in my head. Yeah. You know? And the game isn't actually presenting me with this stuff. It's just kind of setting it up so it might. And that is nearly really cool. Nearly. But I don't think that's even done on purpose. But the game comes apart at so many of the important moments that it's like, I can't let it slide, you know? You're not even... You need to continue because you're at the point where it just keeps going downhill. But that's the thing. I'm absolutely... I'm finishing this game. Yeah. Like, I'm in it for the long haul. You know, I want... Because I'm also fascinated by this. Like, how did this happen? And, like... I might, like, I might visit that topic at some point mm-hmm. because there's a fucking story here, you know? And, like, when you look back at all the old trailers and all yeah. this, like, this is kind of fascinating. Even the rebranding trailer has loads of content in it that is not in the main game. There's, like, a mechanic where Noctis is hiding, which is brought back in, like, is which is in Chapter 13, but it does not work. Yeah. It absolutely doesn't work. I also feel like there's kind of a... A Jar Jar Binks thing going on here. Because, like, I always feel like with Jar Jar Binks, whatever the hell you think of that character, he became the lightning rod for people saying that the Phantom Menace was shit. And, like, I don't, like, I don't really care about Phantom Menace one way or the other. But I always think it's interesting to think that, like, that character is so stigmatized and gets so much hate that he's this representation of everything that people think went wrong with the prequels. And I feel like chapter 13 is that for 15, when if you actually step back and look at it, I think there's way more wrong with that game than chapter 13. John, you haven't played chapter 13 yet? I know. <laughs> like, it's like, so like, bad. I, I, know, I know it's meant to be really bad, but my point is like, I think people are more are upset about more than chapter 13. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen a lot of people say like, yeah, great game, chapter 13 is terrible. But it's like, that game is bad before chapter 13. Oh yeah, believe me. I know it's bad, but chapter 13 takes it to a whole new level. Like you just, you can't even imagine the conversation someone had to make that happen. It's the shitty icing on this poo cake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, like, given the game, it's credit where it's due. I don't, I think the fights can be kind of fun sometimes. Like, I'm still trying to find the strategy in them. Like, I'm still trying to find, is there an actual, like, technique to this? Or, You're just mashing buttons. I'm, well, I'm just doing, like, the most basic JRPG stuff where, like, I'm just being careful about when I attack and healing with potions mm-hmm. when I can. It's not... it Like, when I think of the ins- insane shit you could do in 7, 8, and 9 with junctioning and materia and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's just not there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like, I'm going to keep, like, I'm going to beat this thing. Like, I will definitely beat it. But, yeah, Honeymoon's fucking over. Yep, I have the exact same experience. First 15 hours, delighted. Then it was like, ooh. See, I'm worried I might hate it even more than you, because I'm about six hours in. What? Really? <laughs> yeah. That's nothing. Oh, wow. That's okay, nothing. yeah. It kind of made me really... Like, I love Final Fantasy. Like, I love it so much. I, th- I think I'm going to pick up World of Final Fantasy because I think I need some kind of soothing bam to take the taste of 15 out of my mouth. And, like, I watched some of the trailers for World of Final Fantasy and that seems, like, endearing and designed. Like, yeah. it looks like a world was built for it. I had a really weird moment where I was like, I think Pokemon Moon is a better JRPG than Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. And, like, as for fucking Nier, like, Nier's awesome. Like, as janky as that game gets in spots, it's... I'm so much more compelled to play it than 15. Mm-hmm. But now I'm kind of like... Now I, I nearly have, like, the scent of something with 15. I'm like, oh, 
I need to see where this goes. That's what it was like, you know, you were watching me and it was like, I was constantly playing it. Because you like, were so to... fucking down on it. And I was like, really? It's too fascinating as like someone who's into games just to see this all unfold. And yeah. just to see, you can see where the, like, wait until you get further in the battle system because you have summons in it, but they take away your control of the summons. The game decides when you can summon something. That's so insane. So all the tactics are gone. Like, yeah. I remember in Final Fantasy X, like, you would wait wait until you had your overdrive ready, and you'd, like, even use a summon to be sacrificed. Like, when Anima did a, their overdrive, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll call out my summon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's none of that tactics in it. So you could be in a battle with two red giants, and it would be kicking your ass, and you can't call it. But then you'd have, like, a battle with a level 10 crocodile thing, and then the game will be like, hey, want Shiva? And you're like, no, no, I don't. Not now. Later. Yeah, that's so disappointing. I just... Yeah. You know, let's leave it there and okay. come back to this. But yeah, we're going to talk about that game some more. If you like, again, I'm always interested to hear the other side of things. If you do like Final Fantasy 15, give us a shout, give us an email at askletsfightaboss at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at Let's Fight a Boss because I do want to hear it. And I feel like any arguments I've heard for this game so far is like, well, you know, it's not that bad. And I like hanging out with my buddies. And. Man, I just think Final Fantasy can be so should be so much more than that. If you want a buddy, just play Animal Crossing or something. Yeah. Yeah. Neve, you've been playing Overwatch, Gear of the Rooster, sequel to Overwatch, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> this is this is the Chinese knockoff, is it? Uh, <laughs> no. This is the Overwatch event for the Lunar New Year. Um uh, it has a new mode, a capture the flag mode, and loads of new skins. So I've been like putting loads of time into it because me and my girlfriend play, and we both main characters have gotten who have gotten really nice skins. Winston has gotten, you know, the Chinese story of Journey to the West. Oh, cool! Oh, no way. Yeah, so, so he's monkey. Yeah, he's monkey king. Uh, Reinhardt is uh, has a skin. There's Pigsy, like, um, is in it. The Zenyatta is the monk. Like. Oh, cool. All the characters are represented from Journey to the West, and that's so, so I'm like fighting for that skin. Haven't got it yet. And Diva has, uh, she's wearing her hanbok, which is the Korean, um, traditional outfit. So, like, it, it's really, re- they put a lot of work into making the character skins look really nice. Yeah, people are calling it the May Apology event. Yeah, yeah, it really <laughs> is. She got two nice skins. So, I've been playing it and having a lot of fun with it. Did I tell you guys that I unlocked Widowmaker's new emote on Christmas Eve and it was a Christmas miracle? The mistletoe one. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Um, Brian, you finished Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yeah. Yeah. This was my special January game and um, I was a bit underwhelmed by the end. Oh. Just because the boss fight was pretty lame and... I didn't want it to end, and I was like, oh, is this... Oh, okay. This, this is the climax. Um, they're definitely setting up a third game, which is cool. Yeah. But for me, the peak was, like, the middle of the game. I really like the last area where you're, like, watching all these crazy samurai spirit knights walking by, and you're climbing up the side of a mountain, like, looking at them. That was cool, but they did that in the previous game as well. Yeah. Where you're, like stealthing along behind like a, a a huge army rallying there was just some really cool shots in that I really yeah, yeah the were. direction of that section i think I, i'm gonna have to play through that game uh, it's so good. for me during those bits i died a lot which really kind of breaks the momentum of those sequences but that also happens in the uncharted games 
Like, you know how when you watch the E3 demo of an Uncharted scene, mm-hmm. the, the guy is a developer, so he knows where to not die. Yeah. But then when someone who hasn't played the game and isn't familiar with the game dies at every single, like, beat. Mm-hmm. So there'll be a bit where like Laura's running across the bridge and all of a sudden the bridge starts collapsing and you're like, okay, we've got to jump from like each bit of the bridge to get to the end. And you fuck up. I, I totally agree. That mm-hmm. moment really takes me out of those moments. And even like, no matter how much budget goes into it, how much, how good it looks, I always feel like, oh, I'm just playing a video game. Yeah. Like, you know, what do you think like is the solution to that? Like, how do you handle it? It's it's either a cutscene or it's very very well finessed like a platinum game where you know exactly what to do, but then it's not holding your hand either. Yeah, but then you really could slow hard. it down like a telltale. But then I feel like it's so slow that there's no skill involved at that stage. I feel like a good solution, and I think Azora's Wrath does this a little bit. It's when it's like if you nail all the quick time events, you do it and you do it cool, and if you fit, and if you fuck them up. You do it badly, but you still do it. Like Azura's like falling all over the place and he looks really stupid. So it's not a game over state. It's just like, okay, you've met a but like Lyra looks like crap while doing it. Like instead of falling into that chasm, she has to scramble up herself for like... Yeah, I think that's a better solution. Yeah, Because like if you want to go back and perfect it and get a better rank, you can. Yeah, I think that's a good way of doing it. Um, I really, really enjoyed upgrading all my weapons. Um, I upgraded them and then I was like, oh, there's no more dopamine. I feel empty now. Um, so I, I, uh, for me, I also think that's why I enjoyed the middle of the game. Like, I really, really like this game. Um, and I played some of the DLC as well, where I did this one where you're walking around Croft Manor and you have to find um, your family's will or prove that you are the heir to Croft Manor because your evil uncle is going to take it back. Oh my god, I had no idea that. That's part of it. That's and so cool. it's just Laura walking around her house at night and there's no combat or anything. It's just you, like, it's basically like a very well-made gone home. Okay, that's cool. I might get that. And it's like two hours long and it's it's, it's pretty neat. It, it, it's, it's just backstory to Laura Croft. It's cool. One of my favorite things at the end of that game is you spend so long trying to get that artifact. And then in her, like, office, she just has it in a shoebox next to a bike and a whole pile of just random crap you would have in your bedroom. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, adventure done. <laughs> um, it's cool as well with the PS4 version because you can change your costumes. So most of the time, like, she's up in a snowy mountain, but I just had her in jeans and a leather jacket. She's tough. Yeah, no, she's really, really tough. I had her in chainmail because she looked dope. <laughs> um... One thing that actually just reminds me, Brian, that DLC is I kind of forgot to mention earlier, but I watched a series of unfortunate events, the Netflix original. Oh, yeah. I watched the first episode of that. What do you think? It's fine. I really liked it. Like, a lot. This is a passion project by Neil Patrick Harris. He's playing the Count in it. Count Olaf, yeah. Yeah, and he is also the executive producer on it. And the sh- I-, I thought it was really strange. Like, it had a really weird rhythm to it. You know, like the way everyone talks and makes jokes and stuff. Yeah. But I was really impressed by like the set design and the shots and like how well choreographed everything was and like the timing was really on point. It made me laugh a lot as well. I really like that. Um, it really, really reminds me of the original film, except for with the narrator, uh, Snake It. Because mm. um, in, in the original, he's played by Jude Law, but in this one, he's played by Patrick Warburton. Mm. And they're physically and like verbally completely different 
Because one is just like a deep-voiced American, the other one is fucking Alfie. I loved Patrick Warburton in this. Like, yeah. He was so funny. I really, really like the original film, you see. I yeah, just, yeah, okay. I, obviously, I've never seen the original. It's very, very similar where they have like matte paintings instead of backgrounds. Yeah. And lots of set design. Like, it's so... The look of it is so stylized, but it's really pretty. and But like, really pretty in a way, it's like where they go to like a really shitty coastal town covered in clouds and they make it look amazing you know I'd reckon if like if you want you want a good Netflix version it's not a bad way to go are we on to the true terror now I think we might be the terror me and Neve both played Resident Evil 7 okay Neve, you've beaten it yeah how are you feeling took three days 11 hours I'm feeling good about it, yeah. Um, the start, I, it's a weird, it's a weird thing because I am not down on Resident Evil Five or Six. I like how crazy Japanese those games are. I like when Ada Wong appears out of the sky and gives you like a wink and some cryptic bullshit. Like I love that crap. <laughs> That's so good. So when I first put this on, the first part is really scary and really tense and kind of difficult. It's more in the vein of uh, amnesia and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but then the end of it gets more resonant evilly. Really? And I like that more. Mm. I heard it does get very, very silly in, in the last act. It doesn't even get silly. It's no. more like the combat. Like, like it starts like of survival horror. You do not have anything and you're hiding. And then by the end of it... I had, like, remote detonated bonds. I had, like, two types of shotguns. I had a machine gun. Like, like I was... It got easy. You, ha- you had the suitcase full of weapons. Yeah, I, you can upgrade your, like, bag by two sizes as well. Like, I was carrying a lot of shit. Yeah. And I didn't even have to use them. Like, it got very easy towards the end. But all in all, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, So I really... So far, I really, really like this game. Um... The first three or four hours are incredibly strong. And it's just, I love the feeling of exploring the mansion. I love, like, well, not the mansion, the, the weird house you're in. Mm-hmm. Well, um, like, it's a haunted house game. Yeah, totally. And there is a really great boss fight in a garage that I thought was awesome. Because I always feel like, you know, boss fights, there are always these big epic things. You're firing the rocket launcher at the monster and all this kind of stuff. What I really love is, like, intimate boss fights where it's like you and this person in a very small place and a lot of work has gone into like making it feel like you're actually fighting them and this is like it's nearly like a hardcore wrestling match you have with this guy and it's so much fun and it's so ridiculous and like the ways you beat him uh, is just it was terrific like I really I really agree with that I don't think the game tops that moment though yeah I don't kind of figured that's still my favorite moment in the entire game is the garage fight yeah it was brilliant um i got to you know i got through the first area where the way the game works is and like we're not going to get too spoilery but we are going to talk about stuff here so if you really want to just go into it fresh maybe skip this section yeah but um the way the game works is there's one kind of major enemy per area and that enemy is kind of stalking you and so the first one is this guy immortal joe and I loved Immortal Joe. I thought he was a really stupid, fun character. But then in the second section, it's like, bug lady. Yeah, that's the weakest part for me. Yeah, I, I was... It was his wife, and she now has 
Bugs. The power of bugs. Yeah. And like she stands there and she shoots bugs at you and it felt so much jankier Mm -hmm. than the first part and like you know there was a bit where like I unloaded a couple of shotguns into her and um, she grabbed me and then she disappeared because that's how they make her disappear and it felt felt quite a bit more underwhelming Mm -hmm. than the first part it wasn't bad but it wasn't great either the second part that calling the part with the wife the second part seems like a rehash of the first part done not as well. Like, it's the same puzzle as well. There's a shadow puzzle later on. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I've just done this. Like, I know the answers to these now. I know that I have to hide from her because I have to hide from Jack. Like, it's it's the same thing, not done as well. But then you, you leave that area. Good. Yeah, to me, it definitely felt like a significant step down. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that's your weakest part because I, yeah, I really... I mean, it only took like an hour to get through and it wasn't bad. I still think it did some cool stuff, but I don't think that environment really took advantage. Because like what I loved about the first environment is it's like a big circle. Mm -hmm. There's all these different ways you can go and like little trapdoors you can do to get away from Mortal Joe. And I found that like incredibly fun. But with the other one, it's just all these kind of clustered hallways and there's bees attacking you and it didn't really feel... It kind of just felt like kind of blocks the game designer put there to keep you progressing too quickly. Yeah, if I was to break it into five parts, that part specifically is the weakest and it has, every other part has a very solid, its own thing, Mm. like its own gimmick, its own location. That one seemed the most borrowed from anywhere else. Like that stuff isn't repeated again. Yeah. But um, that said, I think some of the game's strong points, like the animation, Jesus Christ, like some of the facial animation stuff and like it looks beautiful. Yeah. Really, like... This might be the first game I've really played on this generation and gone like, this could not have happened previous generation. This game couldn't exist on a 360. It takes Sometimes it takes a while for textures. We're, all, we're both playing on the PS4. It mm-hmm. takes a little while for textures to pop in for me. I'm getting that a lot. Okay. Um, and that kind of... Or they, well, like, it'll stay a bit low res and then as I'm moving, they'll pop in as I get closer to them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is gorgeous looking. The tress effects or the hair technology that's going on is pretty freaking funny, but in a good way. <laughs> like, the thing is, it looks janky. Yeah. And it looks janky in a way different way than hair has looked in video games up till mm-hmm. now. But it looks way better. And now it still looks janky. It still doesn't look like hair. But it's like, I guess hair effects were just so bad mm-hmm. that this janky looking hair is a significant step up. It makes you take notice. Like, it's moving when... It, when she's moving it's going across her face but like it's also like wow what amazing volume you have yeah <laughs> i think i think like because the character you're talking about it's mia yeah and like mia doesn't have like very much writing to her so far at all like she's just she's your lost scared wife i would say that no one has a lot of writing yeah. to them like but, ethan the main character is pretty much a blank slate yeah i don't know what i, I know that he wears a striped shirt yeah <laughs> which does tell me a few things but i'll leave those yeah. i'll leave those theories to myself but with Mia, it's like there isn't really a whole lot of writing to her, but I did find like the acting in her animation super endearing. I was like, oh shit, look at this person, you know? Mm-hmm. She's my favorite character. She comes back. She's 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 good. Yeah, I, I like her. Nia, if you played it on TV, yeah. would you replay it on PSVR? No. Did you not play it VR at all? No. Really? Man. It's no. <laughs> totally one of those like tech demo VR games. I re- I've played the demos of them. I've had Kitchen and the other demo in VR and I thought it was so janky. Like really not fun janky and 
like the mystery of Vior is dispelled enough for me to be like, you know, I'm not going to put it on and be like, oh. Because having like no experience with Vior, I'm playing this game and I'm like, man, I think this would be really interesting with Vior. Like the mm-hmm. whole peeking around corners and stuff like that. That sounds cool to me. I guess so. I've also been playing it with like my girlfriend watching, which has been really fun yeah. to do. So like, I don't want to be wearing a headset while playing it, mm. you know? Yeah, it really seems like it's a good group mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. yeah. Me and Michelle played a bit as well, and like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's really fun to play with people watching. I really, really want to play this game at some point. Yeah. I think I'd like it. Oh, Brian, there's so many bits in it where I'm like, this is so up Brian's alley, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I kind of wish it was more, like, I mean, as I said, no, I really love what it is, and I don't want it to be anything else than what it is. It's a really good game. Really miss the Japanesey bullshit, though. Yeah, I, I could see that a little bit. So how does it like fare among the other six mainline Resident Evils? Like, is it at the bottom or the top of that list? I don't know. It's like it's I can. People are saying it's like back to form. It's back to what Resident Evil is. I think it's not. I think I don't think this. I don't think a Resident Evil game has ever been like this. I think it's Resident Evil for 2017, and it does it really well. I totally agree with the the, the idea that Resident Evil is good again. Yeah, was it really that bad? Six was like I respect your love of six, you know, but you have to understand that six is appealing to a very particular part of your psyche. Yeah. Like if you want to slice that game down the middle and be like yeah, objective, it's pretty bad. Because like I downloaded the demo of six, I put my hands on it, I shot a zombie, and I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" Like I was like two minutes into that game, and I was like. What this feels bad. I, I like popping headshots on zombies. I know. <laughs> I, I I I really like bits of six, but that's not a good game. Yeah. No, it's yeah. Oh, I, I'm I'm aware. But and I really like five. Like I thought I five would, five, five See, has uh, got great co-op. I thought five had that really good moment where like I think there's someone like beating someone else on the ground and then like it's right in the intro and you walk by the alley and you see it happen and they all just stop and look at you and then drag the guy off. That was great. I don't remember anything else about five. We'll say about seven. Jack is the scariest, like the dad. He is the scariest character in it. There is no other point in that game where I was as scared, uh, as afraid as I was in the first area. It gets less scary. It gets more shootery. But really, like you have the molded. Have you? You've met the molded at this stage, have yeah. you? Yeah, like the molded. The basement dudes. Yeah, they <laughs> the, are the molded. Yeah, like mold is the thing, which is so gross. I hate mold. The mold fucking sucks. Yeah, it's the worst. I really loved that bit because I felt like it was nearly like a puzzle because mm-hmm. technically you could get through that bit with just your pistol. Like you could. Yeah. But you need that fucking shotgun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I love puzzles like that. You know, I love like where. Something makes something possible as opposed to like unlocking a door. Mm-hmm. Sorry. The molded are the enemy type, like uh, for a lot of it, then afterwards. That's, dis- that's disappointing because yeah. I, I really was hoping that they'd just be, they'd just be yeah, the basement. Yeah, if they were just yeah. in the basement, but that's, they're the zombies of this game. And once you figure out how to deal with them, it's the same. Are there, yeah. are there liquors in this game? Like, like they're pretty iconic. There's, there's like, Standard molded, molded with claw, molded on all fours, and then I'm not going to go any further because there's some secret molded that I don't want to spoil for you. Okay. Um, mm. But like, yeah, they kind of have the zombie archetypes that you would be used to in Resident Evil. But the game has restraints in other moments of it, doesn't it? 
I would say there's some quiet moments that I really enjoyed. Or, I like, or, or, or just like a cool idea in the game that is exclusive to that one environment. Yeah, no, yeah, for I, sure. I've definitely yeah, seen some okay. Because yeah. you know how a lot of games, like, they're like, we have this great idea, let's fucking bore the audience out of, like, like, this, like let's fucking like, wear it. Mechanics, so far for me, I've been through, like, two major boss battles and like game mechanics have been added and taken away for those mm-hmm. boss battles. Okay, I like, love. I really, really like when games are just that fucking proud of their mechanics yeah. and know when to stop using them. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. And I, I'd say I, I've seen quite a bit of restraint with the game so far. Like I feel like most of the time, aside from that second area, which I really didn't enjoy that much, most of the time there's a lot of stuff in it where I'm like, that was fucking cool, like that, and and then it's mm-hmm. gone, you know. And as for the game being scary, I actually don't find the game scary at all like i've watched let's plays and it really scared me really the first bit is the scariest bit yeah i i'm really not afraid of it at all but that might just be me i'm far more scared of night alone i don't like being <laughs> chased so when yeah like, i really really don't like you i don't like that at all because so like sometimes my navigation I, I found him really difficult to get away from how did you get rid of like every time i turn around he was there like Sneaky even when guy. i saw him go downstairs and then i went in the stairs like opposite from him he still was behind me weird because me like i zigzagged through a door or two he's gone that's crazy he was on top of me constantly i was hiding in shadows and he'd spot me like like he got me a few times but for the most part i didn't have any trouble with him uh, maybe I, you're getting like different ai algorithms and you're I getting think so because like i read this thing like i read a bit of a walkthrough for a part because it was driving me nuts and for the bit with margaret the walkthrough was like she kept glitching out and finding me constantly but i had no problems with her like i could get through Funnily her perfectly enough, she stood still for me a lot really yeah just stood in a room yeah okay like, I, I went I like, I, I, like after that. a while I went in and I was like right let's do this fucker and I fought her but yeah so I think maybe they need to adjust some things in a patch there might be some stuff they could tweak because he was like I was running for my life constantly yeah and there was no patch in between when we played it yeah that just sounds like there's probably some complicated AI stuff that's not working out very mm-hmm. well but um it's very tense I would say that the level I got from him the level of aggression seemed just right in the he, the threat of him was always there, but it never became that irritating horror thing where you're getting chased every five seconds. Oh, um, that was what it was for me. It was high, like always high. I really felt like holy shit. I have like, like when I got in somewhere, I just got in there by the skin of my teeth. Because you know how me. in Resident Evil Four they have a programming built in that that if you play badly, they'll dumb down the AI of mm-hmm. enemies. And they'll make health pickups and ammo more available from the crates. But then if you play well when you attack the crates, you just get like a tiny bit of money. Um, but they do have a feedback so that the game always kind of has, uh, a nice balance of kind of progression, but also a challenge. Yeah. I don't think that's in this, like, at all. I'd imagine there's some AI routine stuff, maybe. It's like I was looking at like some walkthrough stuff and where items were, it was the same items all the time, whether you're playing good or bad. Oh yeah, I'm more just kind of like difference. AI behavior stuff maybe. Yeah. But then I, like that really wouldn't account for your experience. Yeah, like I was like crawling, like like crouched down, moving from shadow to shadow, he would catch me. He was like, I smell you boy, turn around. And I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I smell you boy. Like it was like really just luck a lot of the time that got me through him, but it made it really tense and it's kind of... Nearly for that reason, the start of it is the most memorable part for yeah. me. Because, like, for me, it was more like, oh, you got me, shit. You know, like, I think 
the scares are having the effect on me they should I'm just not scared like I'm mm-hmm. not I don't I don't come away from the game going oh fuck that like the first night I played Night Alone it was like after midnight and I played like the first half an hour and I was like no fucking thank you like not now it's, it's a scary game to play in bed at night <laughs> it's really scary yeah but um you asked Brian about like where this places among like the Pantheon Resident Evil yeah definitely upper half for me like so far definitely upper half that's and great because like there have been other first person Resident Evils but they're all kind of spin-offs like the Code Veronica games are first person aren't they um, I think there's a mode in them that can be first person. They are not first person all okay. the way through. Or maybe you can go first person for parts. But you know how like the first three games are locked camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then four, five, and six are all tank controls. And then there was two spin-off ones that yeah. were both first person, I think. But you know how in in pretty much in all the Resident Evil games that like if you want to shoot, you have to stop and point and shoot. Yeah. But in this game you could strafe and shoot, can't you? Or, or, or do you have to stand really still? I think it really stands to you to stand still. Yeah. And, like, and you get, were, get a steady shot in. Yeah, like, you want to get that headshot. At least with the pistol, it's like, bang, bang. Yeah. Like, that's as fast as you can shoot your gun. Okay. So I traded in mi- my shotgun for the two-shot shotgun, because oh, it's yeah, stronger. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was just like, so it's really, yeah, you want to stand still. Yeah. Feels good when you hit a good shot, though. Mm-hmm. What would you... How would you guys rank through Resident Evil's? Ooh, that's super hard. Four is number one, obviously. Four is number one, yeah. It's, it's the best one. I think I like Remake better than Four. The GameCube Remake. Mm-hmm. Four. Remake. Five. <laughs> I'm like... Seven. Seven over two. Two. That Neve. That's insanity. I, I, I'm probably somewhere yeah. like that as well, to be What's honest. What's going... No, wait, wait, hang on. Seven over two. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I thought six. S- no. Six after two? <laughs> three. Is is but three Neve, that bad? It's got Nemesis Neve, in it, though. Neve, Jill looks so pretty in three. I like three a lot, but like I would never replay three unless they did a remake of that game. Like, yeah. like there's nothing bringing me back to three. I could watch one of the, the movie with Jill Valentine and get my Jill fix, you know? There's a new Resident Evil movie came out last week. <laughs> I respect Jill Valentine so much. Me too. Um... How many Resident Evil movies are there now? Seven. Yeah. That's that's amazing. I've yeah. seen them all in the cinema. It's a cross promotion. <laughs> Did you see the latest one? I'm going to see it. Seriously? I love them. <laughs> Can you so uh, put out like a photo of like just maybe you like in the lobby or something? <laughs> or just like, you know, the screen time and you're like, can't wait to see this. <laughs> Brian, rank your resis. Um, well, without including, well, it's going to be something similar to Neves where it's like four is number one, then five, then... I really like five. I I had a great time with the co-op. I'm aghast. Uh, then I go one. Then I go like one or remake. But the remake. Remake, yeah. I wouldn't play that first one at all. Scared the shit out of me when I was little. I'm sure it did. I'd probably have to go remake. It's kind of a toss-up between two and four for me. I really? yeah. <laughs> four is so good though. Two is so good though. But Salazar. There's a Spaniard in a cupboard in 4. You know... <laughs> what are you buying? I think maybe the problem is I haven't played 4 in a really, really long time. But I feel like with 4, 4 plays so much, so good. And it's so much fun. I think it's the weakest atmosphere at any of them. No way! Yeah, I think it is. But it's, I really like the atmosphere. Like yeah. it, it's, it's a you can pulpy. draw an egg. 
think four. Yeah, <laughs> I think like I think four is an absolutely perfect version of what it is. But I guess there's a bit where you throw a grenade at a cow if you want, <laughs> and you you rescue that dog, and then later on the dog yeah. distracts the El Gigante. You go to a it, castle and it's there's got crazy some, monks. You can suplex the monks. That's pretty yeah. Cool. It's got some great you moments. Fight the Undertaker. That's that's a good bit. Like it, it's it's got three distinct areas and they're all fucking okay, stupid. Look, see, that's the thing. Four for me is a game of moments. Like it's like all these cool moments, but I really like just the ongoing atmosphere of like I'm exploring this ridiculous police station and the music's awesome or this crazy mansion. That's what I like. Like there is a chance seven could end up ahead of four of me, and I love four. But I think it's just, it got away from what I like about that series. And I still think that game's incredible. Like, one of the best games ever made. But in terms of my personal taste, yeah. For me, 4 is the one that got me into Resident Evil. So that uh, tank control kind of action Mm -hmm. survival horror is what I like. Yeah, I'm wondering how you feel about the end of seven because I feel the end of seven gets more four, like it gets more shootery. Mm. I love it. I like. I really like the end of the game. It's so fun. That's like the opposite I've heard of what I've heard from everyone else. Yeah. The OA all over again. Yeah. A very very divisive moment. Yeah. But um, I'm really looking forward. Like I want to go home and play more after mm-hmm. this. I think we should revisit the Resident Evil 7 conversation when you finished it, and hopefully Brian will have it. Oh, I think I will probably finish it by the next time we do a podcast. I want to like lend you one of my games, and you guys lend me one of your games. I'm finished think- it. I'll pass it on to okay, you. Okay, perfect. I think we should do that. <laughs> okay, cool. Because I've got some free time coming up. I should probably just inhale this before Zelda comes out. Yep. Oh, yeah, God, the rush to like clear out your back catalogue. Well, not not your actual back catalogue, because that's impossible, but like to clear out what you're playing before mm-hmm. Zelda, because then once Zelda comes, we have a month, and then it's Persona City. Yeah. Where is, like, Horizon Zero Dawn going to fit in? Horizon? I, I, that's going to get lost. I, I really was looking forward to playing that game, yeah. because because it's out on, like, the last day of February, but mm-hmm. that's, like, four days before Breath of the Switch, Wild drops. Yeah. Um and I and for me, like I like I was all set to play Horizon, but then that's changed, and now I'm going to wait until yeah, it's on sale. I want to play, I want to play Horizon, but Zelda and Persona, like that's it. Mm-hmm. And like I'll play little games for February as well. Like I'll download a few little games and play them. I know I will. But in terms of, like big experience games, you know, you can only ever really have one of them going at once. I think. Yeah, for sure. So with that, we are going to move on to our quick time events. This is the news section of our podcast, the quick news section where we bring you some semi-recent events from the world of video games. So the first up, we have Overwatch's diva used as a symbol for International Women's March, March in Seoul, South Korea. I didn't know so like Korea had such a bad quality record. Yeah, it's pretty much the one of the bottom of the list when it comes to women's rights. Man, because they're such a advanced technologically. Yep, I don't they're, know. They're they're very very traditional and they not just like... Seem like a future city to me, South Korea. But yeah. that's that's cool. Like, yeah, go for it. Diva's cool. So the way that was done was that there'd just be a lot of uh, protest banners, lots of like big canvas mm-hmm. sheets with paintings on them. A lot of people are doing Diva's logo. Yeah, it was the bunny logo from her um, alt. And the people using it is the national are called the National Diva Association, and it's a group of um, wow. uh, a feminist group in South Korea that it's fighting 
for um, women's rights in South Korea. And you know where it came from? You know that story we reported on before about the Overwatch player? Oh, the cheater. Yeah. The, the dirty cheater. The girl who was being branded a cheater because she was really, really good at Overwatch. So basically this group started around her as just kind of like a support group being like people are bullying this girl because she's good at a game because she's a girl. So it started from that small seed and has kind of just continued to grow. And it's just kind of a gamer based group of girls who use gaming to fight for equal rights. Yeah, fucking right on. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go, guys. I'd love to follow up that story about that girl and see if those two professional Overwatch players who said they'd retire, if she wasn't cheating, if they actually did retire. They did retire, but you know they'd like... I mean, how long was that going to last for? Do you think they were going to like stop playing the one of the biggest shooters of all time? Yeah, to still playing casually and, you know, yeah. it's just casually entering the tournaments, you know. <laughs> Bunch of jerks. <laughs> Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, gets a release date on July 11th. Didn't Final Fantasy XII come out like 11 years ago? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so what's this? So the Zodiac (laughs) system, like when it first released, it had um, a battle system, which kind of made every character super overpowered. So in the PS2, they released a patch for Japan only that was the Zodiac system, which is just the job system. So the... Really? Yeah, so it's like you can be Dark Knight or whatever, so you can have... um, moves associated to what class you have so this remake this hd remake that we're getting in july is implementing that zodiac system that we haven't gotten the west before so that's really cool that's, that's um, i, I cool. think final mm-hmm. fantasy 12 is super underappreciated i think that game's that game's really cool is 12 the strategy rpg one 12 is the one where they first implemented um the kind of no random battle encounter. You could see the enemy on the map and yeah. you could technically try and avoid it, but that you would also pull it looks the enemy. Very you could M- aggro them. Yeah, it looks very MMO-ish if you, mm-hmm. if you don't know what's going on. Oh, gotcha. But yeah. I liked it a lot because you could play as whoever you wanted and the, the AI routines you could set up for your characters were awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you could set it so that they heal you when you drop below 30% or that they attack at this point or they use a special move at this point. And like... Just the loot game in that of like going into different dungeons, tracking down gear, hunting monsters. It was excellent. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think the characters in that game are as memorable as maybe any other Final Fantasy game. But, and the story was very hard to discern, like really difficult to tell what's going on. I think I really want to replay it to try and appreciate the story more. Because yeah. when I, like 11 years ago, geez, what age was I? You know, it was, I don't think I was in the place to appreciate it. As much as I could have. I think that was one of those games where I got so sucked into it that I ended up dropping like 150 hours. And I think I'm, I've am i played enough of it in my lifetime. But mm-hmm. I think if people if people were super into 15 and want more Final Fantasy or maybe feel a bit burned by 15, yeah, I'd totally give this game a thumbs up. I think yeah. it's cool. Main character's not great, but the princess in it is really awesome. I won't even consider him a main co- character. I can't remember anything about him. Titus Light is what I remember. Titus is better. Uh, Fran the and nothing. Baltier <laughs> are really good characters. Yes, they have Fran and Baltier are so cool. Reason enough to play the game. And I liked the... I liked Oran Light. Oh, yeah. He's like a main character pretty much in it. Mm. The closest to the main one. Anyway, good game. Play it. We had a Fire Emblem Direct. Yeah, I didn't watch this at all. Like, I, I, I think I was a bit too worn out from the, the Switch Direct. Yeah. Did you watch it? Or did you just read I the did. headlines? I watched it today, actually. Yeah. So I'm a big fan. I'm just not that bothered. Here's my takeaway from this. I'm really looking forward to that mobile game. 
Yeah, it's out like um, it, it it it's out this week. That mobile game looks really good. Yeah, I don't remember anything else from it. They... Okay, well, I'm going to run down of what they had in it. Yeah. The first thing they showed was Fire Emblem e- um, Echoes Shadow of Valencia, which is the 3DS game. And that's, that's a remake of a NES game. Uh, yeah, Famicom game. It was the second yeah. Fire Emblem game ever released, and it was only a Japanese-only title. Yeah, because the first Western Fire Emblem was Shadow Dragon on the DS. So, like, Fire, Fire Emblem... Or, 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 sorry, no, the, 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 the original... Fire, it's just called Fire Emblem on the Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. And then Shadow Dragon's a remake of the first Famicom game. So this is like just reimagining that. So I don't, will that have the romance system? Do you think they'll put no. that into it? Not they at all. should. Yeah. They could do, because yeah, that is the kind of thing where you can add it in cheap enough visual novel style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, you don't get the face stroking. I mean, they could put that in. But this I seems really to would. be coming out really quickly off the heels of Fates. Like, Fates was, like, um, Fates, February, wasn't it? Fates was uh, June 2016. So if this is May 2017, yeah. it's 11 months later, essentially. That's a quick turnaround for a whole new game. Yeah. It's probably not a big one. Yeah, that's what I'm imagining. Because Fates was huge. Mm. Then they had... Um, the unnamed Fire Emblem game for Switch coming in 2018. They were like, it's coming, it's a thing, but they didn't show anything. They just yeah. said it's happening. That's cool. Appreciate that. To be honest, I think 2018 is going to be the next time that I'm kind of open to a Fire Emblem game. Because I, mm. still, I still feel full after Awakening. Not even Fates, like Awakening. Mm-hmm. I'm still full from that. I don't need another Fire Emblem game. I think by 2018, I'm going to be starting to start get a little peckish again. Yeah. Then uh, Fire Emblem Warriors is out for the Switch in fall 2017. And that's meant by the same people who did the Hyrule Warriors game. Yeah, Sure, I, so, have, I have like zero opinion on this one. It's like, yep, yeah, that a, makes sense. A Fire Emblem best of Musou game. That's mm-hmm. that's what the people want. Yeah, I mean, that's going to sell to the people who buy a lot of Musou games. Yeah, and then... Then it ended with like nearly 10 whole minutes to the mobile game. I actually thought this looked pretty cool. I was like... Yeah, like, I I like the illustrations. I like the way they've, I think they're being smart about the battle system and stuff. Mm What do you think of it? Yeah, same with the battle system. I like the way the map fits a phone screen perfectly. Um, I like the tile-based system that they're using. The only worry I have is the, what the fees are going to be. Like, because if you have a game with permadeath, can they be, charge you to bring back characters, resurrect, kind of like... That's my only issue. I want to see what it is and I'm excited yeah. for it. But I'm more lenient on that stuff when it's free because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I, I get it. And I, well, and then part of that is just I still feel like Let It Die was so forgiving with that stuff. But yeah, if they're just going the route of they're just trying to get whales in, that fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of like piggyback on the whole app thing, um, Nintendo were doing some shareholder stuff about their apps. So they had originally planned for there was going to be Super Mario Run, a Fire Emblem, a Fire Emblem app, which is this, and an Animal Crossing app, but that's been delayed for another few months. Mm. So it's not going to come out before March 2017, which was the plan. If they nail that Animal Crossing app, they are going to print money. Yeah, because I have the stats here for Super Mario Run since it launched, uh, what, like less than two months ago? Mm-hmm. It has 40, or sorry, it's got 78 million downloads, but only 4 million of those were uh, the full game. So that's less than 5% of people bought the full Super Mario run. Yikes. Well, at $10, 
to buy that. That's kind of. I think I think they would have got like quadruple that if they had just half the price. Yeah, like ten dollars was a fucking crazy amount. They made forty million dollars off of it. And it probably did not cost $40 million to develop. No, but mm. they could have made $100 million if they did it right. Yeah, it was it was a real backward way of doing it. Like, I don't know what... I don't, I don't know what they were thinking. Honestly. And it kind of makes me worried for them going forward with their mobile stuff. If they're pricing, like, stuff like that, or if their fees are going to be so crazy, it's like... It makes me less excited and more cautious with them going forward. I had a really weird moment when I was watching the Royal Rumble and Randy Orton won and I was like, why does WWE do this stuff? Why does it keep doing things that no one wants that it's just like fulfilling some weird internal... And then I was like, oh my god, they're Nintendo. <laughs> like, it was just the exact same feeling. Mm-hmm. But anyway. They're like pretending to listen to their fans and like reinterpreting what they're saying they're like pretending to listen and then very occasionally turning around and just dumping shit all over everyone (laughs) Square and Marvel team to create multiple games of the Avengers franchise Crystal Dynamics working on this yeah Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal is what the rumour is so it's Square partnering for more than one game, the rumor is that the first one might be a Guardians of the Galaxies as well as Avengers title. Mm. And they're also saying that Deus Ex is kind of being put on the back burner while they're developing these. Yeah, I've heard that, that they're not pursuing any uh, big plans with Deus Ex at the moment. So I'm in two minds with this. I'm like, if they were going to get anyone to make Avengers and Marvel games, Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal are like two great teams that could deliver really, really good games for these franchises. But the other games they work on are the Tomb Raider games and the Deus Ex games, which I'm a very big fan of. And I like after Mankind Divided, it's like begging for a follow up. Like I feel like there's already one in the works somewhere. Same with same with Rise of the Tomb Raider. Like yeah. that 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 was set up as a trilogy. Yeah. It's interesting because I actually heard, I won't name any sources on this, but I heard a rumor that the team working on Mankind Divided have been moved off that for a different game that people think is kind of a game series that recently died pretty hard. And I've heard some pretty compelling rumors that that team is now working on that franchise. If this comes true... I want everyone to remember this moment. John, is it Sleeping Dogs? It's not Sleeping Dogs. Fuck. It's not even kind of Sleeping okay, Dogs. It's a mind. Japanese game. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Holy shit, okay. Um, But, I mean... So, yeah, and... Like... People like people like Marvel. People do. Like, I don't know. I just feel like anything... Any video game that Marvel is involved with, I can just see, like, a lot of... A lot of hands in that pot. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't... I don't feel particularly excited about the idea of an Avengers movie because I feel like those movies are already so... They're already trying to please everyone and I really don't like games that try and please everyone, so... That's why it's curious to see Crystal Dynamics. Like, like they have their own flavour to games, you know? I, I'd, I'd be interested to see what they are. I'm not very in on Marvel. They're not, like... Apart from X-Men, it's not my jam so I'm kind of curious to see and I think it is good for Marvel fans I think if it's a good team to get it made but uh, Tomb Raider Deus Ex I want more 
you know, those are good franchises in gaming. And yeah. it's kind of sad to see those be pushed aside for, you know, the Disney money. Was it the new Tomb Raider that they were disappointed in the sales of, or was that the previous one? Previous one. Yeah, the previous one. Right, okay. I think they were disappointed with the reception to Deus Ex as well. It was our second place game of the year. Yeah. You know, didn't they... Like third th- place, right? Yeah, I think third place. Yeah. Was it third? Yeah, first was Overwatch. I want to address that. Oh, oh it's a- Because... <laughs> fucking... Deus I didn't Ex- notice Deus Ex creeping that high up. I, th- I think you guys would like it. It's, it, it's 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 a from what I've heard, it's a cynicism free to to an extent triple A game. Yeah, and it's very and you know you know how easy it is to be cynical about a triple A game like the fucking Last of Us. We all fucking roll our eyes when we think of that. Mm-hmm. But um, to, this is it has enough humor and enough ways to approach it that it's fun. So I, and so with Crystal Dynamics and Eidos like. For, for, them, for them to do a triple A title on a big franchise like Avengers mm-hmm. and Marvel, um, it, it, it could not be a load of shite. It could not be a load of shite. That's what we're going to stick on the front of the box. <laughs> but you know how, like, if Ubisoft did it, we'd yeah, all be yeah. like, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, you know. Yeah, like, whatever open this world is, it's going to hopefully be a solid six up. Yeah. It's not going to oh, be I feel garbage. Like that's such a that's such you a cynical gonna... way of thinking about like a potential like any game. Like, let's hope it's a solid six and up. Do you think it's going to be like a super flawed ten out of ten? Uh, no, it's going to be just like it's going to get a lot of like Gamespot are going to give it an eight out of ten. Did you guys see Marie Kish left Gamespot? Really? Yeah. I mean, with all the respect in the world to everyone left in Gamespot. That leaves them in a tough position because Daniel Dwyer's gone, Mary yeah. Kish is gone. I don't know who the major personality is that you hang on that place because that woman is fantastic. But they clearly don't know how to nurture and push forward personalities if two of the best ones, the two of the only ones are like, okay, fuck it, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. But I'm really interested to see what she's doing. Same. Hart says she's going to go to final uh, giant bomb, but she's not. She won't go down the floor to the other office. No, she won't. That'd be weird. But she is staying in the same city. Ooh. Okay. Well, you know, let's just see. Yeah. But you, you know I how think Giant Bomb need a... They need a wacky personality in the West. Because mm-hmm. they lost Dan. And now the Giant Beast cast is amazing. It's super wacky. It's so it's good. It's so good. <laughs> like, it's... Like, I think I like it better than the Bomb cast now. And I still love the Bomb cast. But they need that... What they, they need someone... Because the bomb cast is too grounded now. Yeah, who like thinks, who doesn't think normally and has loads of funny anecdotes. Yeah, and like Mary Kish would just, she'd be so perfect. Yeah. But anyway, we'll see. So this next piece of news was like, oh, this gets pretty heavy. But um, Insomniac Games put out a YouTube video today. I guess what would you, they, they were like disagreeing with a bunch of Trump's recent, like what are considered anti-Muslim policies. Yeah. And just supporting immigrants was yeah. the main theme of their video. Yeah, it yeah. was only a minute and a half long. And it was basically like, Insomniac Games is a company made up of a diverse team from all around the world. And we totally reject this horrible policy. Yeah. And like, you could totally, you could see how it hits them very personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, it's a tough one 
Because like on one ten, on one, on some some cases you like to be like ah, you know maybe games too should say or this kind of stuff. On another case, like I think it's really important that if you feel that strongly about something to take a stand on it, and I really respect them for doing that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's really interesting because like ten years ago, if this had happened, a game studio wouldn't like Never, speak yeah. up like this. No, not at all. But because um, they are just seen as another company mm-hmm. with personalities in them. Um, it's an interesting platform um, for them to just step up and say their piece. Yeah, it also made me view Insomniac kind of differently because I would have viewed them before as a company trying to please everyone. Yeah. Like, they're the people who make they're, know, The Last they're, of Us. Um, they're, they're, they're making a new Spider-Man game. Yeah. And and then they made Infamous Second Son. Wait, I'm thinking... I got, yeah, you're thinking yeah, Naughty Dog. No. But, um, yeah, I think it's... It's crazy that the world is at this point. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think those, I think a lot of that, a lot of those laws are really unfortunate. And like, I feel really bad anyone affected by them. But um, yeah, I guess it is what it is. Yeah. So moving on, the Wii U ceases production in Japan, according to Nintendo's website. This is, this is no surprise. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that, they hadn't stopped a few months ago. Yeah. That rumor, I think we even spoke about it ages ago, has been floating around about how they were stopping and then they were like ve- venomously being like, no, 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 that's that's a lie. I can't believe that a brand new Wii U has been manufactured in the last year. Mm-hmm. That just seems yeah. insane to me. That's fucking bullshit. It's a waste of resources. The, 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 the uh, factories that they have making their consoles should be like printing switches right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And with that, we're going to move into our email section. Yeah. We don't do a final form this week. Well, we, we've we been talking for over an hour and a half, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And we, we, do, we do have a few emails to get through, so we're going to take them. Um, so the first one... If you want to email us, you can email us at askletsfightaboss at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at Let's Fight a Boss. Or, or you can message us on Facebook as well. Also message us on Facebook. But you know, Facebook is Facebook. If you want to say something mean about me, best way to do it is probably through Facebook because I don't look at the Facebook messages. So, and Brian, Brian and Eve will agree with you. Bullies, take note. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and the first one we got is from Jay. And they ask, Dear John, Brian and Neve, have any of you played Shantae Half Genie Hero? If so, what do you think of it? The standard story gameplay sort of in the standard story gameplay sort of way, as well as either in the context of the series as a whole, or as a member of the growing club of kickstarted video games. Neither of you have touched Shantae, I don't think. I've played other Shantae's, but not the latest one, yeah. which, so, which was a Kickstarter. So I have been playing through the latest one with my girlfriend. We're both kind of Shantae fans, and I think Shantae is an interesting series because mechanics-wise, I think it gets its absolute shit kicked in by like whatever Nintendo were doing that year. The game's are not as fun to play as Tropical Freeze. They're not as fun to play as any Mar- like any of the Mario games. But the art direction, the music, and the story of them, maybe not the story as much as like the characters and the writing, are really strong. Like They're really, really fun, and the game doesn't take itself too seriously. That's where the strength of that series is. Brian, you played a f- fair bit of Pirate's Curse, didn't you? Yeah, but... um. It kind of hit a point where I wasn't enjoying it anymore. It, it, like I didn't know where to go next, and the game wasn't telling me where to go next. Yeah, that's a kind of open worldish one because you can kind of go back to all the previous levels. Yeah, and that's how all the Shantae's have been up to this point. 
with half genie hero it's much more it's much closer to a level progress kind of thing okay I've also played the original one, which is the Game Boy Color one, which is super rare, but they re-released it on the eShop on the 3DS. Um, so I finally got to play it on that. And that's a great looking Game Boy Color game. Like it looks amazing. Yeah. And the sprites, uh, and the animation are like astounding. Yeah. Like it, it, it basically looks like a Game Boy Advance game on a eight colors bit system. I think generally the art direction with those games is incredibly on point like I was really worried with the new one that um, it's the, the new one is the first one that isn't pixels the Game Boy Color one as Brian's talking about is like very simple pixels like Game Boy pixels yeah. then the next one up is like kind of 32 bit pixelish you know like yeah. think of a pretty competent like PlayStation 1 pixel game and then the new one is no pixels it's like vectory I think it might even be 3D in parts as well it's really hard to it's tell it's done by WayForward so they did the recent remake of DuckTales yeah so it's that same style where it looks a bit Paper Mario-y. Yeah. And it's... God, it's beautiful. It's such... It looks like half as good as a VanillaWare game. Does... um Was this a successful Kickstarter? Like, did it come out on time and, like... Yep. Yeah, no issues. Okay. Oh, and sorry, full disclosure, I was actually back around the Kickstarter as well. Um, I don't think I like the game as much as Pirate's Curse. I think Pirate's Curse was a very special game, and the writing is weaker in this one. Like... The Pirate's Curse was like laugh out loud funny in places for me. This one, there's some of the jokes and it's like, oh, they don't quite land as hard. But the world's still interesting. The art is great and it's it's got a good personality. And I think that's what carries the Shantae games. And I, lo- I love Shantae as a character. I think she's super cute and super fun. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. I have never heard of Shantae until like this year mm-hmm. or maybe last year. And it kind of blew up and it was everywhere. Were these games big in the West? Were they like Japan only? The first one was made by Capcom. Okay. Um, uh, I, th- I think it was originally Japan only. And I don't know how WayForward got the license, uh, but it it's had a resurgence since then. But they, they were like eShop games. Mm-hmm. And it's only like this one, I think, that got a physical release. But they're just kind of like uh, indie online shops on, on Nintendo. But then now they're also on PlayStation and Steam and okay. o- other platforms. But it's just like a very well, like a re- re- like that. She's sort of iconic, but in a recent sort of way. Yeah. The first game was like became a big talking point because of its rarity, and also like the game was quite high quality. Like it was quite mm-hmm. a good game. I think maybe yeah. I think it, the like the quality of the game maybe tends to get a little bit overblown because of the rarity of it. But it was a good game. Um, and so it kind of became this sort of semi-mythical thing. And okay. that kind of went into it. But then, like, the Shantae character herself is a lot of fun. And, like, she controls in some fun ways. So She's got some really, really cool powers. Yeah. She, like, yeah, she what's could, her gimmick? She could turn to a monkey. She's a half-genie. So. Uh, and, she, and she dances to transform into things. Yeah. Cool. And, like, then in Pirate's Curse, it's all about her becoming, like, a pirate... And so she keeps collecting more, like, pirate things and she doesn't transform at all. She collects, like, a little miniature cannon she can shoot and it's... She's really cool. Um, so then our next email comes from Arash. Neve, why don't you read this one? Alrighty. This, this comes in two parts. Maybe we'll talk about the first part first and then get to the second part. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of the podcast. 
wanted to ask you what your favourite anime character is overall and by design. And to John specifically, how was meeting Mother's Basement? And also, you should call yourself J-Wolf. <laughs> also, albeit late, here's a picture of Neve and Brian being queens. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, 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 get to that one. I've been thinking about this email since we got it, about the favourite anime character bit. I've been really curious for your answer. I, 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 I'm not sure I... I wouldn't know how to answer that. I think it's okay to throw a few out. And the way I always approach, like, what's your favorite? The Mm -hmm. way I always approach that question is it doesn't have to be definitive. And it's Mm -hmm. whatever's on your mind in that moment. I never realized I loved so many anime characters. Like, I I love loads of them. But I was like, man, like, top But you also hate anime. (laughs) I love a lot of anime. (laughs) I like specific anime. So, okay, I came up with a top three. But I have a one spot one that I think is pretty solid and probably would always stay probably number one. Okay. Okay, so number one spot, Major Kusanagi from Ghost in the Shell, specifically the standalone complex series. Okay. I love the Major. I think the Major's super cool and she's just a good leader. She's a good personality. She she ain't too hard in the eyes either. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> just something nice to look at. <laughs> uh, you and your fan service character. <laughs> Two, Toshino Kyoko from Yuriri. I've never watched that. What's that? It's like a comedy anime. Um, she likes pudding and it's really cute. You should watch it if you like comedy anime. It's really good. What's so good about What's so good about this particular character? Oh my god, it's hard to like encapsulate it. She's just the worst type of messer. Like she's just they're in school, they're in a club. She pisses around all the time in the way that, you know, if you're kind of a lazy person who kind of just dicks around and let other people kind of do things for you, she kind of embodies that in the most comedic manner possible. And she's really fun. I like her for that. And then three is Kimiko from Hibike Euphonium. And I think Kimiko is one of the most interesting anime characters I've come across in modern anime. What hair does she have? Brown. <laughs> is she the main character? She's the main character. Okay. A brown-haired Chan. Ew. Um, she's just fascinatingly written. She just doesn't want to be involved with anyone's shit. And she says it. She's like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> you know, and that's really interesting to have an anime protagonist who was the one who just doesn't want to be... I really like characters who don't want to be there. <laughs> it's funny because there are actually a lot of those kind of characters but more often than not they're really badly done and mm-hmm. so it's always interesting when you see one that's really well done like a real staple of like the kind of shitty teenage shonen genre is like a character who's like <laughs> whatever you know <laughs> this, she's the character who's like everyone comes to her with their problems because she's good at solving things but she never gets to really express her own problems her own life so she's just like okay here, come on bring it on I'll try and deal with this all the time and it's like you feel bad for her, but you also can see why someone would go to her because she's level-headed in a way that no one else is. Mm. Anyway, that like took a whole lot of thinking, and like I even cut out Dio. Wow. Yeah, and I love him. <laughs> yeah, Dio's, Dio's pretty, pretty good. I love Dio. Yeah. What about you guys? Do you want to, okay, I'll go. Um, I really, really like Kid Goku. Um, I just he is my favorite. Like little boy who's wide-eyed and is going to go on an adventure you like i think he's infinitely more charming than adult goku absolutely mm-hmm. um i do think it's yeah you know, I, I i still think it's so fucking weird that they kept the voice actor for adult goku 
the same woman who voiced Goku as a little boy. What respect I have for that woman and her predecessors. But man, that sounds like shit. Yeah, it's fucking taking the piss. I love no, it. No, no, Neve. I think it's so good. I love that they <laughs> Goku, Goku should You just... like this fucking grown-ass <laughs> man who's like, Ah, Frieza-san! Yeah! Because like, he's the most powerful thing. He can destroy planets. Like He's a god now. And he has this like, little lady voice. It's Ma- the fucking best. Imagine Super- there's a part of you that just fucking... <laughs> like when you... Oh, I didn't want to say this, but when you mentioned that fucking Messer character earlier, that's because that's fucking you. You just always want to see shit weird and not right. And that's not right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is getting loud. Um, I, 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 um, I also really, really like Krillin in the original Dragon Ball yeah. series. Like He's tiny... And his first introduction of him coming on along in that boat and giving Master Roshi like a bunch of pornos for him to <laughs> for him to train him, and he's like, "Yes, I'll train you." That those first like three volumes of Dragon Ball are so naughty. Yeah, I I I just really like the timing as well of the anime. Like it 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 it's aged beautifully. Um, it it just looked it, it and it, you think it, that the original Dragon Ball anime? Yeah, it it, it I just love watching that. It's mm-hmm. it's a good one to watch. Um, though the manga is so beautiful as well yeah it is um, I also really, really like uh, Usopp from One Piece Brian break break this down for me because we had a conversation about this recently and I'm, I think Usopp's cool I don't get it can he, you visually describe what he looks like long I, nose yeah, the, oh okay okay uh, his, his name means liar basically okay Usopp has the most interesting character development out of all the Straw Hat Pirates and one of the best fights in the entire thing yeah because he does not have a devil fruit power, he would be shit with a devil fruit power. And he doesn't have any like training like Sanji or Zoro. No. Um he's not strong. Like he gets the shit kicked out of him. But he's one of the best snipers in the world. And so his main job is he's the marksman of the crew. And so he's in charge of the cannons and for firing things from long distances, essentially. Um and kind of judging attack patterns but for ages he was also the shipwright because he's into making gadgets because he makes the weapons for some of the other crew members even though frankie is the robot of the crew and that should be his job but frankie's a a, a more bigger scale guy he sounds like out of so many wacky characters that he's level-headed and can be trusted yeah so uh he freaks out a lot yeah he okay. does He's he started freaking out less since the time skip, but I just find him super interesting. I think an, an angle of him I really like is he's one of like my favorite kind of like I guess arch types of characters, and it's like the normal guy surviving in a world of monsters. Yeah, you know because yeah, he's had some crazy fights, but he's won a lot of them. But then he's had the shit kicked out. Yeah, of Yeah, like do you remember? I think there's one bit in the Alabaster arc where he gets the like it goes into <laughs> an X-ray and he gets. His long nose, there's a bone in it, and it gets the bone and the front of his face gets shattered. Yeah. Um, his backstory is really, really shitty, but. Um, Which is weird because Oda is fucking amazing at backstories. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but then his current story is way more interesting, and his dad is in Shanks's crew, and. Up until this point, Usopp's wanted poster has been his alternate identity, Soge King. Because the whole idea is that Usopp's way of dealing with fear is that he wears a mask and puts on a Christian Bale Dark Knight voice and pretends to roleplay as someone else who isn't afraid. Like, it's really, really interesting. Yeah, and the Soge King theme song plays when he does it. Yeah, 
And so his, uh, and so for, for the, for the, for, for the longest time, his wanted poster was of Soge King, um, which, which, which means Sniper King. And it's only in the most recent arc that he's gotten his own wanted poster, uh, which it now says God Usopp because he fucked up and pissed off the wrong guy. And now he has the third highest bounty in the Straw Hat crew. True, uh, true, like a, <laughs> a weird. Higher than Sanji. <laughs> yeah. And he's one of the weakest members of the crew. Um, I really, really like his voice actor. His voice actor uh, also does the voice of L in Death Note. He's got like really, really, really great range. That's a great range. And in the original Four Kids dub, Usopp just sounds like, well, guys, what's going on? But then in the Funimation dub, they gave him the exact same voice. So he's just always been perfect. Good answer. Yeah. John? So I'll answer the important one first. Um, yeah, I tried to get J-Wolf going a couple of years back and it just wouldn't take, I don't know. I think it's generally like my friends tend to be like really lame. Um, I don't enjoy any of their company and it just, they, they won't, they won't let me have anything nice. I'm sure it, like Brian and Neve especially, like they're pretty much the worst. Yeah. When you're shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> J-Wolf. <laughs> Fucking uh, J-Cub. Oh, I try so hard. Yeah. You're not getting anywhere either. I know. But um, as for... I'll, I'll tell how I met Mother's Basement first. So mm-hmm. this was really weird because um, when I went to MAGFest, by a freak coincidence, my hotel room was beside the hotel room of Willie Madden, Willie Wolves from The Best Friends. And so we met in the hotel room. We, we met in the hotel lobby. And I was like, oh shit, like, I might not see him again. I should probably go introduce myself. And so I went and I spoke to him and I was like, yeah, oh, you mentioned my video on the podcast a while back. I was really nervous. And I was like, yeah, I'm Super Eye Patch Wolf. And he was like, no way. And like, you know, we kind of talked and like, felt like kind of hit it off pretty good. And then one day I was leaving my hotel room and he was leaving his hotel room at the same time. And I thought, oh fuck, I bet I seem like a total like stalker. But then he was going to do a talk with Jeff and Liam. And so um, I, I went along with Wooly anyway. And then like uh, we kind of like walked past like the fucking massive line. And I was like, it was this really horrible moment because I was like, do I know Wooly now well enough to come into the talk with him as they're setting up? Or do I wait out here with everyone else? And so I had to be like, Wooly, uh, am I allowed to come in? He was like, yeah, man. And so like I went in anyway. <laughs> And then I saw, like, setting up on the stage was Jeff, who's mother's basement. And that was really weird because me and Jeff, like, out of every... Like, I hadn't spoken to Wooly before. I hadn't spoken to Liam, but I had spoken to Jeff. We'd kind of messaged each other on Twitter and I kind of... I'd asked him some, like, copyright stuff and he'd been, like, really super helpful. And so I figured, like, we, we, we got on pretty well. And so I was kind of, like, looking over and after a while I was like, oh, fuck it. You know when... You know when you have to introduce yourself to someone and like you know it's going to happen and I hate doing it. I hate talking mm-hmm. to new people. But I was like, fuck, I better just go up to him. And so I go, Jeff. And uh, he kind of looks up at me and I go, hey, how's it going? I'm um, good to meet you. I'm John. I'm, I'm Super Eye Patch Wolf. And he's going, uh-huh. And I was like, huh. And he kind of shakes my hands and I was like, okay. And I kind of like, you know, went back and I was talking to Liam and Wooly for, for ages and like really, really hit it off with Liam and Wooly like they are they are two of the nicest people I think I've ever met and I was like man I guess I guess Jeff just doesn't really maybe he just wasn't like that interested in me or whatever 
So anyway, the day goes by and they have their talk. They do they do their talk, which you can watch on Mother's Basement's YouTube channel, and it was like really fun. And later on, we're all in a hotel room, and the topic of doing a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure weebcast comes up. And so Jeff's like, you know, he wants Wooly in there. He wants Ant Fish from Team Four Star. He wants um, our friend Thomas as well, who's like a really awesome cosplayer. He goes by Mom on Twitter. I can't remember his handle, but I'll include it in the description. And then he's like, and then like Jeff's like, oh, and I want to try and get like Super Eye Patch Wolf in, in if we can as well. I know he's here. And I'm like sitting on the bed and I'm like, yeah, I'm here. And Jeff looks at me in complete bewilderment for a second. And then he just like slaps his forehead and he's like, oh, you're Super Eye Patch Wolf. And I'm like, yeah. And then we shake. And from that point, we get on really well. But there was a moment there where I was like, oh shit, like, have I miscalculated here? He thought you were just some tag along. <laughs> yeah, that's what I looked like, you know. But he, in his defense, he was also trying to set up a talk, which I imagine is incredibly nerve wracking, and I probably should have picked my moment better. But I mean, from that point on, like you know, we, you know, we got we got some drinks and we talked a lot of YouTube stuff, and like he's he's a really really nice guy, and like you know, he was also he was he also helped kind of get my name out there and helped me get well known. So you know, I really I do really appreciate that. He, he was he was a lovely guy. And as for the real question, the anime characters. So I've been kind of like thinking this up as you guys have been giving your answers. And this is horribly, horribly difficult. Like, Isn't it? I, to kind of boil it down to three is nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. But I am going to go with my gut on this one. And honorable mentions, Rock Lee from Naruto. Hiei from Yu Yu Hakusho. Especially Hiei, I fucking love Hie so much he's the most hilarious tragic entertaining character he's like the the one with the wry wit and sharp tongue of the group and he's such a little asshole but he's just fantastic and I love his design as well but number three I'm gonna go with Tagoro from Yu Yu Hakusho just because he's my I really love villains he's my favorite anime villain ever I can't believe Vegeta is nowhere on this list that was my runners up who didn't make it okay we got two more characters to go okay go on <laughs> let him speak sorry i thought that was your top three you did it no. really no no I, th- I just you just didn't listen to me Neve. this is why this is why this is why i have so little affection for you in general <laughs> but um tagoro's great and like he's so you think he's just going to be a real kind of villain of the week kind of guy and then like it kind of gets pulled back what's going on with him and like his story isn't like the most inventive or unique thing in the world but i think like the conclusion of his arc is the damn nearest saddest thing i think i've ever seen and like it's it has made me cry like a couple of times i really i really like how he's introduced because he's just like a goon that belongs to a mafia don yeah and i he's, think i watched a youtube video about orange juice and him is that the guy <laughs> What was the video? Uh, what makes a villain good? That sounds really boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't believe someone made a video like that. But um, why the fuck would you talk about anime for twenty minutes? I know it's fucking ridiculous. It's just fucking cartoons, dude. It's good or it's not. Like yeah. I don't know. But um, I yeah I I there's a particular episode of you hack show particularly about Tagoro, and I can't watch it without like tearing up. It's really pathetic. Like I know it's pathetic. So number two then. I really love Rei Ayanami. Say it louder. I really, 
love Rey and Ami from Neon Genesis Evangelion. Okay, I totally get this because she was on my list, but I took her off because I feel like I can't separate the characters from the narrative of Evangelion and I can't pick like Rey over Asuka over Shinji. I can do it and I can pick Rey. Okay. With a bullet. Like, I so love Rey. I think she's such a fucking broken kind of... She's not horrible, but the fact that she exists is horrible. Yeah. And she just seems like so totally lost with humanity, but all, and she's kind of, but like, not that she's upset with it, but she just really doesn't understand it. But that's why, like, I think it's weird to pick her as a favorite character because she's nearly a non-character and that's what her tragedy is, you know? It's that she's searching for the meaning of her own existence and latching onto something like a pair of glasses. Yeah, but that's what I love about her because she's so kind of lost, but in her own way, she's really trying to get there. And there's even a point in the story where she does start trying to get there, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's weird because, like, there's all these inconsistencies of the character. Like, she seems so neutral about everything, but then there are these, like, tiny things that she kind of clings to, you know? And I think, like, her bewilderments of other people is very relatable to me. Because, like, sometimes, like, especially when I was a teenager and I was like, I don't know why these people are like this, you I, know? I, I, uh, I really like Ray in Rebuild 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's so cool in that film. Yeah. I really love everyone's relationship with her in that because Shinji is like, it's like they know the past right nearly and then leaving her the stack of books that she doesn't You're touch. thinking of three. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Three was dark. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 that was really, really mean. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of what the way they took. I felt like after the way they took Rey in Rebuild 2, I think there was a huge missed opportunity with Rey in Rebuild 3. But I think also it's not something you could have done with the time skip either. So if they had to choose one, I get it. That's but, the tragedy of her, isn't it? Yeah. But like, I think the tragedy would have been seeing the reset firsthand like mm. you did in the series, you know? Um, Yeah, I really love Rey. Found, found, just always found her incredibly charming, super relatable in a really horrifying way. And number one, it's Vegeta. It's 100% Vegeta. Like... Sorry for ruining that moment. It's okay. Would no, it's so, fine. It would have been so beautiful. He's Vegeta. He's a chump. This is what he gets. <laughs> Vegeta is a chump. That's the point. That's what makes him so good. He's so... Oh. Do you think if Vegeta won WrestleMania or <laughs> like like if he won the Royal Rumble and got into WrestleMania... Do, Brian, do you think if people... You, if you're not going to take this seriously, I'm not even going to... Okay. But you know how you would be cool with that? Do you think, like, like most people would be cool with that? Well, Ronda Rousey wore a Vegeta t-shirt at WrestleMania. That was pretty close. And who's a loser? Ronda Rousey. Neve. She did lose. She was she on the lose. EA yeah. game cover. She, she lost. Yeah. She got cursed. I hope she, hope she keeps Curse going. of Vegeta. Always second Vegeta. best. Vegeta is never going to be able to fight Goku. Goku has never beaten Vegeta. They fought, in twi- they fought twice. Goku's lost twice. <laughs> they weren't legitimate fights, yeah. though. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> they got interrupted or they got, like, misinterpreted. Do you know what the interruption of the first one was? Goku fucking fell unconscious because Vegeta beat him unconscious. I don't know. Um, I love Vegeta. I love his anger and his, like, feelings of inadequacy. They may or may not relate to me in ways I'm not going to get to, but... He's like, and I love like the comedy stuff with him. I think like his disdain for Goku is so fucking funny. And it's funny when they're enemies and it's even funnier when they're friends. Like I love that moment in uh, Battle for the Gods 
when I think Beerus is like, what's this magical topping? And Vegeta's like, it's just cheese. <laughs> yeah, he's eating pizza. And there's a really great bit where it's after they beat one of Boo's forms and all the people that Boo has absorbed is like exploding out of him. And Goku's like, look, Vegeta, it's like people popcorn. And Vegeta's like, I can't believe he's a Saiyan. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and I also think like... I really like his pink shirt. Yeah, the bad guy. I've man, I've, bad man. I've, yeah, I've thought about thought about getting that. I think it'd be a good cosplay. I think it might be just like a nice casual cosplay. Yeah, um, and I think like out of I don't I don't think like you don't go to Dragon Ball Z really for like in depth character arcs. There are pretty much are none except Vegeta's, who has like like his character arc in Dragon Ball Z ends with him having a fucking midlife crisis. Like that's amazing. You know, and and like, Bulma feeling sorry for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, and them having a pity child. No, that's that's like the cell saga. I'm talking about like later on when he has a kid and a wife, and he should be happy. And he's like, "This is never what I wanted." Like, I think that's <laughs> that's so sad. And I love Vegeta. Do you think Vegeta likes trunks? Eh. <laughs> yeah, no, he does. I he think does. he respects trunks. Like he, there's you, you know that scene where like he hugs trunks and then knocks him out. That, that gets me. It's me real bad. Piccolo and Trunks are my favourite Dragon Ball characters. Just putting that out there. I love Piccolo's voice in the English dub. I love how deep it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his voice is really, really great. I appear there's a lot of future Trunks in Dragon Ball Super. And they they just start, they're on episode four of the dub, so I'm going to be hopping onto that soon. Cool. It's what the girls want. Yeah. They love Trunks and his tiny jacket that goes like right into his armpits. He's pretty sexy. Like, yeah. When Toriyama wants to, he can draw really sexy characters. Like, like all the characters in Chrono Trigger are pretty hot. Like that frog. <laughs> I love that frog so much. <laughs> he's pretty good. Frog. Because like it's never a joke that he's a frog. He's literally just a knight who looks like a frog. Yeah. An honorable knight. So that's going to do it for emails, I think. Do we- oh, no. wait, no. Okay. Um, so we're going to tweet this out. So this should already be out on Twitter by the time we're listening to it. But this is uh, official Let's Fight a Boss fan art of Neve and I as the Queen's. And John the Pawn sitting on the floor, like the little weenie. John the Pawn. John Pawn. Super Eye Pawn Wolf. No. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, if you guys want to say that to him. No. You know, if you want to cyber bully him. If any of you say this in the Discord, you're fucking banned. I mean it. Um, Brian's crown says, Sassy, I am pointing at John and laughing. It's a very accurate and brilliant picture. And I love it so much. I love that you are both wearing yellow shoes. And the shoes that I'm wearing, I actually own those shoes. I have shoes in that kind of navy brown uh, color palette. I guess my question is, Arash, yeah, there it is. Why would you use your talents to draw this? Like, would as much as I appreciate it and as beautiful a job you've done in capturing each of our personalities, like, what about like me, like standing on like mountain and like there's like babes shut up Neve (laughs) Um, then one final thing I want to say is I love that he's included the uh, purple tone uh, art direction in the background which is something we use in all the episodes it's just kind of a kind of broken glass Mm -hmm. of different hues of purple Um, I love that Yeah, I'm going to print it out and put it on John's desk for him yeah I think we should both wear t-shirts with this. 
and just maybe just wear it around John when 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 we're recording episodes. Just to remind him who's the queen. Yeah. I've never had a situation go as badly as this fucking queen shit, I swear to God. Well, just make better predictions, John. You were so wrong. Well, fucking, we'll see who's laughing when Dreamcast 2 comes out finally this year. <laughs> well, apparently Half-Life 3 is coming out. Oh, no! Did I say that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were you were so certain. Well, your, your uh, prediction was that uh, Valve were going to say something new about uh, Half-Life. Oh, they did. And what they said, uh, Gabe Newell said uh, last week that they are still developing uh, a first-person shooter game. Because you know what Valve kind of... That takes place in the Portal Half-Life universe, which that probably doesn't count. Um, it's, I mean, we can uh, debate it. Yeah, but like to me, that that would be, you know, it's something. Cause from, from, from a game that came out in 2004. In all seriousness, Arash, thank you for the fan art. Like, that gave us... But I give us all a good laugh and me a certain amount of pause. Yeah, like maybe you should be more humble, John. I don't don't think so. Maybe I should be a bit more sassy. (laughs) What should Neve be more mean? It's it's definitely not mean. No, Neve should just keep being excellent. No. (laughs) It's both of us sitting beside each other looking at you. This is how we always do it. Move into our loot drop segment. This is like one of the longest episodes we've done. How long are we? It's all gold. like like two hours ten minutes. I'm having a great time. I don't mind. Yeah, let's this let's uh let's finish this off. Nice, Brian. What do you got for us? Okay, I've got an, uh, I usually do a YouTube channel. I'm gonna do another YouTube channel. This <laughs> is Shazez on YouTube. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. But he does a playlist series called Boundary Break. And what he does is he'll get his emulator and he'll crack open a ROM of a game and move the magic camera around and show you the behind the scenes of a game. Really? That's yeah. so cool. That's, okay, I'm checking this. Uh, the one I'm linking is for Resident Evil 4 because it's a great example. Um, this is something I could never really kind of like understand until it was explained to me this way. Um, because Because we all come from animation and the way I see 2D video games is... They're just like 2D animations that are interactive. But a 3D video game is more like a it, it, it's more like a stage play mm-hmm. in that they have an environment and they have the cast and you're moving them around this environment and you're acting out the scenes. And they they do these clever things like if, for example, um, to save on disk space on a game, if uh, two characters are talking and then one of them remembers something that happened and they have to cut to a flashback. They actually have the flashback in a room in the same environment uh, to save on loading time. That's insane. Um, it's just an area that you can't actually go to in the main hub. And I was like, of course they do it like that. Yeah. But it, it, it makes complete sense. And so, and it nearly gets like philosophical because space and time are the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um <laughs> And another one is, you know, when Leon is talking to Huntington on the walkie talkie and it's kind of done Melgar style where it's like the two faces beside each other. That is literally two 3D models with like a walkie talkie faceplate in front of them. And they're just in a black room talking to each other. That's crazy. That's so nuts. And like, of course, that's how they do it. Yeah. But... 
Because, like, you always think it's all these, like, complicated solutions and presets. But no, it's just fucking... Yeah. Slide shit together. And so, like, it's really easy just to think of it like that, like, if this was done as a live action play, they would just build a set and they'd stick mm-hmm. the two actors in behind the set. That's a, that's all it is. Yeah. Um, what games, if any, have you enjoyed where you can go outside the field, like, outside the main game? Um, How do you mean? Like, you know when you break a game and, like, and you can just hop outside the geometry and go around oh, the back of it? Pro- probably GTA is a good one. Mm-hmm. Like, I love, like, smashing through the earth. And falling. I used to no clip a lot of Half Life because that game was so interesting to do that kind of thing in. Um, either of you played Gungrave for the PlayStation Two? No, no. I had someone message me asking me to do a video on it, and I was like, "Wow, that's specific." That's such a good game. Anyway, you can totally clip out and tell you the whole thing, and it's set up like that. It's like you can see the stage and you can see all the walls. It's pretty good. And Gears, um, the first Gears of War, you could hop outside the map um, on online play. Really good. There are there are also some great videos of people uh, speed running through Sonic levels, and the way Sonic levels are done is that they load the levels in steps. Mm-hmm. But if, 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 if you go fast enough through a Sonic level, you, you you can beat the loading time. So you're just running through nothing, and then eventually it'll load in the stage. But then you'll outrun that bit, and then it has to load in the next bit. I want to see like an animated cartoon where Sonic does that. And it's yeah. like, wait, what? What is reality? That, like, he outruns it and then the animators have to, like, draw it in. Yeah. Yeah, like, it really, really feels like that. It's it's really, really interesting how games are made. And it kind of just pulls the curtain back a little bit and goes, makes you kind of go, oh, okay. Um, I'm my, I'm going to loot drop, I mentioned it earlier, Rocco Bodhi's uh, kind of thoughts on Final Fantasy fifteen. I thought they were just really insightful, really really very he's maybe not quite as down on the game as i am but you can just see this like real dissatisfaction with it and it's it's a really interesting eight minute video just about his thoughts on it neve close us out here with your loot drop mine is a youtuber called folding ideas oh i've seen this guy yeah i love this guy and he did a really good video breaking down the editing problems for suicide squad it's just brilliant like that's such a bad movie yeah. He's drinking a lot of cough syrup trying to get through that video. Is that cough syrup he drinks? I think so, yeah. That's, that's what I took it as. Well, he's he's on that lean. Yeah. He's on Texas tea. Um it's <laughs> his whole channel is just gold. He's just really good at breaking down stuff. Yeah. I really he, like his he blood. deserves to be bigger than he is. Mm-hmm. He does some video games as well. Like he's got a Bloodborne video that's really, really good. I meant to watch that, yeah. Yeah. Um did did, did he come up for you in the YouTube algorithm as well? Yeah. Yeah. How does that work? Like it's... I don't know, but I imagine there's a certain amount of crossover with film theory stuff. But it's... Like all I can tell you is as someone who does YouTube stuff, trying to predict what's going to get you in the algorithm is fucking impossible. But you know how we all know this guy's channel, but we all found it of our own accord because it was just recommended and we all just kind of go, oh, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, we're three people who are very, very invested in like film criticism and games journalism yeah. we watch a lot of that stuff on yeah. youtube and it would have recognized that within us like this is this is my, my mom's not going to get recommended that okay or like you know how people are kind of like hesitant about having their data tracked i really really don't mind if it's like showing me this kind of stuff mm-hmm. oh i don't mind that stuff either i've like that's how i get most of my new subscribers like sometimes i get recommended stuff based uh on my interests like i'll get uh Templates for After Effects on Facebook, 
and I and I click those links because they're relevant to me. Mm-hmm. Like I I I don't mind being a twenty-something-year-old woman on Facebook. It's all it's all for babies. Oh, they're yeah? like, you really want a baby right now? So I'm like, I, I don't. I really don't. No, no, Neof, Neof. <laughs> I was like, give do. me some figures. So I purposely go onto sideshow collectibles and scroll through it. So then all my adverts are just like Wolverine and Daredevil statuettes, and I'm like, yeah. Fixed. You want to know the depressing thing is that I've recently getting messages like Asian women looking for older men. <laughs> <laughs> that's you, John. Older men. To say anything more about it on that. And so that's, that's going to do it for this episode, episode forty-two of the Let's Fight a Boss Cast. Don't don't forget four plus two six six three times. Number the beast, terrifying. Three is the key to that puzzle <laughs> because there's three of us here. That's it. There's that's it. We did it. Fuck me, why don't you seem more impressed? Because it all boils back to a weird video we don't know anything about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't matter. I think it kind of does. I think that's that's a really... That's... Like, what? maybe that all does join up together and we're all going to die. I, I, I'm fine being in that room. Hey, I mean, if we got to get murdered, let's at least do it together. Guys, thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye. Go tell and roadie. Go tell and roadie that everybody's dead. I was raised in a deep, dark hole. A prisoner with no parole They locked me up and took my soul She's done.